Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Everybody and welcome to another Wednesday night edition of BAMS Radio. My name is Thomas Watts, and they have let me out of the production booth. Hide your kids, hide your wife. <laughs> Kerry Clark is late to the show. He has some, some commitment, but I am joined by Drew DiArmond of Alabama Intel. Drew, how you doing tonight? Good, Thomas. It's uh, great to be with you again. It's been a, a busy day today covering the Crimson Tide, and uh, it's ne- but it's never boring. Well... I have to say, I, I, I was on Twitter, as I, I'm, I troll Twitter, it seems, these days, and I saw your story about Sean Robinson. Could you tell our listeners about that a little bit? Absolutely. You know, we were privileged at Alabama Intel today to break a major story. Sean Robinson was absent from uh, the morning practice at 9.30 a.m. this morning. Will not be on the practice field right now tonight. Uh, he uh, had his knee rolled up on yesterday, Thomas, in practice. Uh, Alabama dodged a major bullet. They were fearful of an ACL tear when it first happened. He was checked out by the medical staff, and he was diagnosed as a sprained MCL. We'll miss several practices, but uh, we'll be back by West Virginia. Should be fine. But, again, it ended up being a minor injury, but it could have been something major. But, uh, you know, thank goodness for the Crimson Tide's sake that uh, Ashawn Robinson should be okay. Absolutely. And uh, who in the interim, who's going to get those first-team reps? Do you have any insight on that? Yeah, you know, the today, at, today at practice, and, and to be honest, uh, if you look at the spring, Thomas, this is a major deal because now Ashawn Robinson's out, and it's been well documented that Jaron Reed is suspended, not practicing, and neither is Brandon Ivory. That was your starting three in the A-Day game. None of those guys are practicing right now. So at the first-team first reps today in the group, in uh, the first – the first three, three, pardon me, in the group was Corin Curvin, redshirt sophomore from Virginia at nose, and then defensive end, who had already made a move, Dalvin Tomlinson, who was being very vocal at practice today, saying, let's go D-line, we got to get better. He was be- being a leader. Coach Saban was bragging on him in the press conference yesterday, saying if we had everybody on the team like, a, like a Dalvin Tomlinson, uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, that he said, you know, we would have, uh, you know, we wouldn't have any problems. So Dalvin's a great kid. 
he was leading the drill. And then the other defensive end, DJ Petway, who's been with the first and the second team. You know, I, I consider him really a fourth starter at, at worst. Uh, he was with the first group as well. And so, and also watch out, Deshaun Hand, uh, true freshman from Woodbridge, Virginia, been getting some reps with the second group. And and you know, and Dalvin today called him a freak of nature in his press conference after the first day in practice. So, well, he's someone to watch. Absolutely. And, Drew, I, I'm going to try and get our first guest, but why don't you give our listeners a rundown of what we're going to, who we're going to be bringing on with us while I try and work on fish. Absolutely. Uh, first of all, tonight, uh, for, the, for our audience, we're going to have for the second straight week, uh, it's priv- we're going to be privileged to have you know, my uh, colleague at Alabama Intel, William Redfish Barger, to come on and give us a little bit of overview of fall camp, you know, what he's hearing, what he's looking forward to seeing Saturday in the first major scrimmage, and that's his favorite you know, fall camp is his favorite time of the year. He loves the scrimmages, loves to watch guys win jobs and watch the young players get better. He will be on with us from 8 to 8.30. And then we are privileged and honored to have coming on from 8.30 to 8.45 the University of Alabama's latest verbal commitment flip from the Georgia Bulldogs on July 31st, Rico McGraw of nashville Linsworth High School, one of the best defensive backs in the country, had offers from a lot of major powers, uh, has been linked to Alabama since he was a freshman. He's now committed to the University of Alabama. And then, you know, at 9 o'clock from 9 to 10, one of the best recruiting, you know, guys out there, a guy that actually played the game, can break down film with the best of them, doesn't just do the highlight kind of thing, likes to watch the entirety of your game film. And that's John Garcia of Scout.com from 9 to 10 p.m. Well, that does sound – I have to say, when I heard about it before the show, or when I, when I was finalizing it, I got pretty excited. And we do have Fish on hold, so Drew, why don't you go on and bring him in for us? Absolutely. You know, now uh, on hold is a good friend of mine. been working with him for several years now uh, for our BAMS audience. I know they're going to enjoy having him on tonight. But I want to welcome William Redfish Barger to the show tonight. William, how are you doing tonight, man? Doing great, Drew. How about you, man? Doing pretty good. You know, we, we don't have Kerry right now. He's had a couple of technical issues. We hope to bring him on soon, but it's just you and I and Thomas. We're going to be the, the three amigos tonight uh, for a little bit. But we just I just wanted to kind of, you know, get your take so you could tell the audience. I know this is your favorite time of the year. I mean, I know you love the football games on a week-to-week basis, but you're a guy who likes to, to watch practice. You love fall camp. It's unlike anything there is. And I just wanted to know kind of your overview so far of fall camp 2014 for the University of Alabama? Well, you know, first of all, it's it's kind of – it always – and I don't know why I get surprised by it every year. You would think I would be, you know, accustomed to it after so many years of it. But, the you know, the the, the passion and the, the quest for information and, um, you know, Alabama fans just, you know, dying to know – um, you know, who's thrown a complete pass, um, you know, who's had a long run, um, you know, which, de- which defensive lineman has been unblockable, you know, up to this point of practice. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, um, but they've only gone in full pads twice. Um, you know, people, I think, kind of fall into the trap of thinking that, you know, that when, you, when you see these daily practice updates, um, and I'm not knocking them. We, you know, we do them on Alabama Intel. But, you know, and then certainly the, the practices that take place, you know, at the, at the practice facility on the practice fields, 
you know, weigh into, you know, who wins a job and who loses it. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, jobs are won and lost in those scrimmages at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Um, right. You know, right now they've only got two scheduled, one for this Saturday and one for next Saturday. Uh, but, you know, that's where jobs are won and lost. Um, you can get a, a, a general idea about the skill players when they're running around out there in shorts, but, you know, whether or not Alphonse Taylor wins the right guard spot or um, Dominic Jackson wins it, but, you know, that's not going to be determined until the, the staff gets together after the scrimmage this Saturday and the scrimmage next Saturday. And, you know, I just think that, you know, things have kind of gotten out of control with, you know, the social media aspect of it and this, you know, unquenchable, you know, thirst for information about what goes on at practice every day because, you know, that, that's kind of a, a unique deal. Um, you know, Nick Saban is, is, you know, kind of in the minority as far as a head coach at a big-time program. Um, you know, on a good day, you know, you kind of could use it as an extended viewing period. You know, the media might get to see 15 minutes of basically warm-ups. Um, so, you know, it's very difficult for media people to – you know, weigh in and offer an opinion on, on what's going on out there. But, you know, at the same time, I think everybody needs to kind of take a deep breath and, you know, relax about whether Coker's completed more passes than Blake Sims on a, on a Wednesday or, um, you know, whether T.J. Yeldon's, you know, rushed for more yards than, than Kenyon Drake. And, um, you know, it's it's just uh, – it's really kind of gotten out of hand. And, there's a, you know, there's a side of me that – you know, finds it a little bit humorous, but but at the same time, um, you know, I'm part of the problem and not the solution because <laughs> I'm kind of the same way. Well, yeah, I, I can understand that, and I guess my biggest thing with I know, you, first of all, I know you like uh, your 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 specialty is the line of scrimmage, and then the front seven on defense. But I I'm wondering what your take is on the quarterback situation. I have to admit, you, you, I'll give you credit for one thing. You basically, despite the fact he played poorly in the A-Day game, you, you were the first to say, or one of the first, to say the A-Day game is not that big a deal. They scale it back. He did struggle, but so did the, you know, and, and Cooper Bateman did in a way outplay him. But, again, he was playing against the ones, Blake Sims. But I, I get a feeling, I don't know what it is, but I do. I, I think I'll, I'm finally going to side with you. I do still think Coker's the favorite in my mind until I see it, but I do think this is a legitimate battle with Blake Sims. I think he's taken everything and the steps he needed to take, and I, got, I just want your take. I, I, I think he has a legitimate chance to win the job outright. What do you think? Well, I mean, you know, you got to see, you know, one of the scrimmages yourself in the spring, so, you know, you yeah. saw, you know, one of his, you know, positive performances. Obviously, the A-Day game, um, you know, wasn't one of them. But, you know, I think that this is just a situation where, um, and again, I'm not sitting here saying that I think Blake Sims is, is, is going to be the starter versus West Virginia. That's still to be determined. But, you know, this is a young man that I think has been probably the, the truest definition of a team player that I've ever seen in, in, in the 25 years now of me being associated with Alabama football, um, you know, he's, he's played his role. He's put his time in. Um, you know, you, you've seen all the reports just like everybody else about, um, you know, the extra time that he spent any time he gets away from Tuscaloosa with the quarterback coaches. 
Um, you know, I just think that if he, if, whether he wins the job or not, um, great things await Blake Sims, whether it's on the football field or, or you know, as an everyday Joe like the rest of us in real life. Uh, I, I just can't say enough positive things about the young man. He's, he's the consummate team player. Um, I think he's done a, you know, above and beyond outstanding job as far as welcoming, you know, Jacob Coker into the program with open arms. Um, you know, and I think both of them, you know, bring different things to the table. And just like we were talking back in the spring, Drew, you know, when Jimbo Fisher and Phil Savage and everybody was, you know, pumping Jacob Coker up, you know, the number one thing I want to look for uh, Saturday is – you know, has he been able to move beyond um, having slow eyes and making slow decisions, um, you know, before he delivers a football? You know, when the, you know, the lights aren't going to be turned on, but he's going to be on the big stage Saturday, even though there's not going to be a crowd there. Um, you know, I think he's got all the intangibles and the, the measurables that you look for in a quarterback, but, you know, like you, you know, at the one scrimmage before A-Day, I got to see two of them. And, you know, Blake Sims, you know, led that offense. You know, he performed like a legitimate SEC quarterback, you know, has to. Um, you know, I think Nick Saban, and you certainly don't know where to attribute this, um, you know, this credit and positive vibe that I think Coach Saban dished out yesterday when talking about the offense, but, you know, he doesn't say a whole lot of positive and he doesn't heap a lot of praise um, ever, much less at this point in camp. But, you know, I thought it was kind of telling um, with, with the positive praise that he kind of talked about with the offense, you know, executing, you know, quite a few explosive plays. Um, you know, you know, I think we could put Nick Saban in a helmet and shoulder pads and win, you know, 10 or 11 ball games with him at quarterback, you know, with the weapons that they have on that offense. Um, you know, the quarterback battle is certainly intriguing, and I don't think – I really don't think it's going to be decided, you know, um, to, to completion before the West Virginia game. I, I felt like since spring – that this was going to play out just like the A.J. McCarron and Phillip Sims quarterback battle in 2011, and I still feel that way. And do you think, do you see a, a, a scenario where they play both of them against West Virginia, who's a pretty decent quality opponent, uh, and can try to see, you know, which one takes what takes charge? Because, again, it, it worked out in 2011 because you opened with Kent State. Now this group they're going to play is going to be better than that. Uh, in a nationally televised big time national game, uh, what, so what do you what do you think? Do you think he'll play both guys in the in the opener? I, I think that's going to be you know kind of dictated by the the tempo and the and again I think that a lot of that's going to be decided by what happens this Saturday and next Saturday in the scrimmages. Agreed. You know if if Agreed. one guy you know if one guy establishes themselves you know as the as the odds on you know winner of that position, then probably not. But if it's still, you know, 50-50 and we want to see somebody, um, you know, drive the nail in the coffin, you know, on the big stage, then it will. But, you know, I just, you know, I agree with Las Vegas. I mean, you can look at the, the betting odds with them. 
Um, you know, I think they've got Alabama as a 24, 25-point favorite right now. If, if you look at West Virginia up front uh, on defense in their front seven, they're very small, um, which yeah. leads me to believe that Alabama is going to be able to run the ball effectively um, against them. So, you know, you, you might see them be a little bit more stingy as far as alternating quarterbacks in that game, and maybe you see it spill over into the following week. I can understand that, and I guess it's it's a uh, it's been an interesting position switch. But I think you and I agree that I, it should be permanent, and I think it could help the football team based upon the feedback you hear from Brian Bogler and some of those guys. But talk about maybe Dakota Ball finding a home because, as you and I have talked about, Alabama never replaced Mike Williams last year. It's something nobody really talked about. But you know the, the the blocking at the tight end spot was you know too, wasn't what it needed to be. Especially it could hurt the perimeter running game at times. But just talk about you know what Dakota Ball Dakota Ball could turn into uh, for the offense for Alabama. Well, I'm gonna answer the question in reverse order, and I, I think you kind of you know touched on what, in my opinion, was the biggest weakness in the Alabama running game last year. Um, it, it was not having a, um, you know, six offensive lineman out there and a Michael Williams. Um, you know, it didn't take the Detroit Lions long to figure out how good of a run blocker he was. They just moved him to, to offensive tackle at Detroit. Um, so I, I think that was the biggest thing. If you go back last year and look in critical, you know, third and short, fourth and short situations, um, you know, the, the tight end at the point of attack and, and run blocking situations is really where, you know, the failure of the 2013 offense, you know, came into effect. Um, as far as Dakota Ball goes, felt like from evaluating him as a high school prospect, you know, he should have been brought in and put a tight end or maybe even offensive guard from the get-go. He was much more impressive to me. Um, you know, as a high school junior and senior, um, as a point of attack run blocker at tight end, you know, versus what I saw him do as a defensive tackle or a defensive end. Um, I hope that's a permanent home for him. I think that's a, a great idea and a, and a great experiment, and hopefully it sticks. Cause I, like you said, I think he's got an opportunity to find a niche and a role and kind of a permanent home is that, that physical presence that, in my opinion, um, you know, has been lacking ever since Michael Williams graduated. All right, now we're going to go to somewhere that I know is close to your heart, offensive line. Are you surprised at all? I mean, and again, you won't, we won't really know anything heavy until the scrimmage. And, and one big factor is Leon Brown is, is out with a foot injury and will be out, you know, for a couple of weeks, as Coach Saban said. Are you surprised at all by Shank Taylor continuing to – run first team at right guard, and do you see him holding off Dom Jackson, who probably right now is having a little bit of mental retention issues with the playbook? Well, I think it's a two-fold deal with, with Dominic Jackson. Number one, um, you know, he basically played in the wing T offense in junior college. And, you know, you and I talked about this on numerous occasions. Um, I, I felt like there was a, a reason why, his junior college coach didn't put any film out of him pass blocking as an offensive tackle his first year in junior college. And, you know, last year, you know, he got slid inside the guard. Um, 
you know, again, anytime you bring a junior college guy in, there's going to be an adjustment period. You know, you saw, you know, Leon Brown struggle last year in the spring, and, you know, really the light didn't come on from him from a mental and physical standpoint until the latter part of the season. You know, there's a big difference in playing SEC football versus junior college ball at, at, you know, Nassau, New York. Um, I'm not surprised, you know, that, that, you know, they're giving Shank a look. They gave, you know, him a look in the spring. Um, You know, the next two Saturdays, I think, are going to, you know, determine um, who gets the start versus West Virginia. Um, I don't know if if, uh, Leon Brown is going to be 100%, you know, by by the end of this month when they play West Virginia. Um, So, you know, Again, I think a lot of people, you know, when look at Leon Brown's injury or, or Brandon Ivory suspension, Darren Reed suspension, Tim Williams suspension, I don't look at that as negative and, and, and I don't hit the panic button. Because as a program, Alabama position where, you know, Brandon Ivory being gone gives Darren Lake and, and the true freshman Josh Frazier extra reps, uh, Darren Reed being gone, you know, gives Jonathan Allen and DJ Petway and, and maybe even the true freshman uh, Deshaun Han extra reps. And, you know, in Tim Williams' absence behind Dylan Lee, um, you know, one of the best, best football players in the country, and Deshaun Evans, he was getting extra reps at, at, at the Sam linebacker spot. So, you know, anytime one door closes with an injury or suspension, another door opens and there's opportunities there for young guys and inexperienced guys. Yeah, get that moment. Well, and I'm gonna. Yeah, I just want to let you know our fourth musketeer is with us now. Uh, issues or his technical issues have been taken care of. Kerry Clark, welcome, Kerry, to BAMS tonight. And I just wanted to ask William one more time, really quickly. We have a question from chat. Uh, you you won't see this till Saturday, and I know you'll even you. I know nobody really can stand that that aspect of it, but even you will be uh, look looking closely at the kickers. What is your opinion on the kicking and the punting? And just tell the audience what you heard from your source about J.K. Scott this past Sunday. Well, you know, I think a lot of a lot of people hit the panic button back in the spring because the punting and the kicking was so erratic. Um, you know. I think Adam Griffin, as the place kicker, has plenty of leg um, to be effective and, and be productive as the extra point and the field goal kicker. Um, you know, from from the, the people that I've talked to that have been at practice, um, you know, J.K. Scott has, has shown that he's got the leg um, to, you know, possibly shore up and make the punting spot a productive part of the team. Um, you know, he, he was spotted, you know, Saturday and Sunday with, you know, three or four 50-yard boots and one that was 60-plus with a lot of hang time. So, you know, you got to kind of figure, if I see him do the same thing on Saturday at the scrimmage, um, that he's probably going to be the, the leading guy to win that spot. And then I think it's up to, you know, Bobby Williams and the rest of the coaching staff to get, you know, Adam Griffin, you know, Tom Coolen Collective, and, you know, give him enough reps and enough, you know, bad situations where, you know, he can respond and, um, you know, produce, you know, in adverse situations. All right, Kerry, what, what questions do you have for the fish? Well, hell, I was at practice Sunday. I was hoping he'd ask me some stuff. <laughs> in between right, in between bouts of writing a story and 
you can, for the bad nukes I got in the press box. Other than that, I had a great day Saturday, Sunday. Well, I've been yeah, right, Gary. I mean, projectile, man. Hey, hey, Gary, was it between, was it between writing a story, uh, uh, you know, dodging a thunderstorm and avoiding getting run over by the gumps? None of that was the uh, – well, I was in the press box, so, you know, I actually left uh, a little bit before they ran the gumps because I wasn't feeling well. I've seen it so many times in the past, and it's just a replay. Uh, and I avoided the thunderstorm by getting on the elevator and going to the press box before it started raining, <laughs> which was just fortunate on my part. And, and I, you know, the first probably 20, 25 minutes I was trying to finish up some stories. But, uh, I, I mean, I observed quite a bit uh, in the hour and maybe 15 minutes that I was able to concentrate on it before I got sick. But, uh, I, you know, I, too, was impressed by J.K. Scott. Uh, and I did see him hit some around 50 uh from the line of scrimmage, longer than that from where he kicked it. Uh, they didn't show anything at all of place kicking. They never do in that practice on that fan day. But J.K. looked fine. Uh, Alec looked like he did an A-day when he was punting. And uh, the poor little Mexican walk on the mooth, he kicked one about 28 yards. Um, <laughs> but but J.K., J.K. looked good. Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, <laughs> you know how some people try to be All-Americans in shorts, William, uh, and I've been guilty of this when I was in high school, but when one play, Tomlinson kind of snuck in there and blocked the punt, and I don't think they liked that too much. But, uh, you know, I guess you all have already covered the uh, scouting report William got on the quarterbacks. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we covered that. And I wanted to have William talk about uh, another aspect that I'll have to believe it to see it. I know they're saying he's practiced well and has improved. i got to have William's take on the Cyrus Jones situation at corner. I know he's been bracketed with Silv. A lot of that has to do with Eddie Jackson still being limited and only taking a few reps right now to, to be cautious. But I, I'll have to believe Cyrus Jones wins the starting job when, when I see it because he struggled William in the spring. Well, uh, you know, uh, he, he certainly did struggle in the spring and, and certainly his struggles last fall are, you know, well-documented. Um, you know, for everybody to see in the games. But, you know, I've kind of, me personally at least, I've got a love-hate relationship with Cyrus Jones. You know, he, <laughs> he's fighting, you know, he's fighting bad genetics right out of the gate because he's on the short side. You know, legitimately he's probably 5'9 with his cleats on. Um, you know, but, but you know, I, I do have a lot of respect for the kid because I think he's a high-effort uh, you know, high motor player. I think he does go out there and, you know, give his all. You know, there's just, you know, only so much somebody with his limited, you know, measurables can do when, you know, you've got somebody like a Mike Evans that they're asking you to cover one-on-one with. Um, and, you know, another guy like Sammy Coates that's a monster wide receiver in the SEC that's, you know, run blocking you down the field. Um, you know, but right now it's, you know, it's Bradley Silva at one corner. It's it's Cyrus Jones at the other. Um, you know, you've got, uh, um, you know, Tony Brown, obviously, and, and certainly, um, you know, getting Eddie Jackson back to full speed whenever that takes place. I, I like the way that they're, you know, practicing him one day and black jerseying him the next, you know, not, not putting too much on him at once. Um, but, I, like, again, like we were talking about earlier with the suspended players, 
um, you know, an improved Cyrus Jones, um, despite his size limitations, you know, just adds more quality. I, I'm sold on Bradley Silk, to be honest with you. I think I saw enough out of him in the spring where – Right, I, I remember you were high on him. Yeah, I mean, I saw him turn and run enough times with Amari Cooper. Um, if he can cover Amari Cooper, he can cover anybody that Alabama plays. Um, you know, the, the biggest positive to me, and, and you know, we're going to have to see it manifest itself in full pads, you know, Saturday and next Saturday, is the fact that Marlon Humphrey has, you know, seen quality reps with the first-team defense. Um, right. And, again, I think you've got some guys back there at the corner spot. You know, Maurice Smith, I think, could, could take that next step and become a, a depth guy at one spot. And, you know, I saw enough out of Anthony Averett, um, another guy that doesn't get talked about very much, you know, I think he's actually a quality player at the cornerback spot. I just think he might need one more year to, you know, pack on some size and some mass there before he can, you know. You're not going to find a guy like Tony Brown year in and year out, you know, in a recruiting class. I mean, that cat's six foot one, you know, 205 pounds. He's physical. He's nasty. You know, he's got – you know, he's got an opportunity to make the Olympic team one day if he wants to go that route. A uh, true freak. You, yeah, he is. A little, I, I, I look at, you know, Deshaun Hand, Tony Brown, Rashawn Evans in, in the same light. You know, they've got, you know, unworldly God-given ability, but they've got the, the work ethic of a, a walk-on that's trying to make the, the roster. And, you know, when you get that combination in a player, um, that's a hard combination to beat. Well, William, I, I, we really appreciate your insight tonight, man. We really enjoyed it. It's been a fast 20-some, 25-plus minutes. <laughs> it always is. It's always great stuff. And uh, just really quickly before you go for us, give us what you think. What, what are you looking for? What are you looking most forward to Saturday? You know, obviously looking at the, the offensive line and the defensive line, um, I think with the the recruiting class that was brought in this past year, you, you've got unbelievable depth at the interior positions on the offensive line. Obviously they brought in some, some great defensive line guys and some linebackers. But to be honest with you, you know, um, the guys that I'm really looking the most forward to, and, and I don't anticipate – uh, you know, Lane Kiffin um, doing anything more than he has to, and he's going to keep it vanilla just like he did on ESPN for the A-Day game. But the one guy that I really am going to spend a lot of time watching because they didn't give him a lot of opportunities, and I think – I'm not saying he's going to become a factor this season in the quarterback race, but the one guy that I'm going to spend a lot of time watching is the true freshman quarterback, David Cornwell. Nice. Yeah, now there have been some good things said about him so far. Well, William, man, we really appreciate you coming on. We hope to have you on again soon, uh, to talk, maybe maybe even next week, to talk about the scrimmage. And talk That'd be about good, William, you could do that. Uh, absolutely, and we'll have you on again. And we really appreciate you coming on for the second straight week with us on BAMS, man. Hey, guys, man, I appreciate you having me. I always enjoy getting an opportunity to talk about Alabama football and uh like I said, just uh, give me a shout next week if you need me, and we'll we'll talk a little scrimmage updates. Oh yeah, absolutely, the fact, man. The fact you're going to scrimmage, I'm gonna go ahead and make the call. We do need you next week. <laughs> absolutely. Well, as long as you can do me at eight o'clock, Carrie, I'll be here. 
Okay, <laughs> we can. Go on to bed, All right, old man. man. <laughs> All right, brother. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. I'm a night owl, but I guess he ain't. <laughs> no, William likes to get his rest and be up early. He's not a heavy sleeper, so he likes to, to wind down and get rolling. But we've got our next guest on, Kerry, and this is something you know I've been working on for several days. And uh, he's he's uh, he, he's not done a lot of media interviews and stuff up until now, and we're honored for uh, to be joined by you know a, a kid that I've had the privilege of speaking with on a couple of different occasions. It's been a while, but he's a class young man. Uh, just recently, he's become the the 21st commitment in the Alabama recruiting class. We are honored to welcome uh, Rico McGraw of Nashville's Innsworth High School to BAM's radio tonight. Welcome, Rico. Uh, thank you, thank you. First of all, just I guess what 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 has it been like for you? Obviously, you're a high profile kid, a recruit. What's it What's the process, and what have the last few days been like for you since you uh, made the decision to decommit from Georgia and commit to Alabama? Uh, well, you know, start off this. You know, this is a very very great situation to be in. Like many people say, it's a great problem to have. You know, I'm just very honored and blessed to be in a situation like this. But you know, um. You know, I I had to make a decision. It came down to things, and my myself and my family honestly just thought that Alabama would be the best for me and put me in a place that I would want to be in the future. So you know, to answer your question, you know, these past few days have been crazy. You know, just like you like to use them, you know, just be crazy, just everything happening, phone blowing up. But you know, like I said, it's a good problem to have. Right, and and I wanted to talk to you about first of all, just to tell the audience, you know, to give them an insight into your process. You had been you've been linked to Alabama for a long time since I guess I guess after this the, the the summer after your freshman years is that the first time you went to camp there and, and were able to perform in front of Coach Saban and, and grab their attention? Yes, yeah, I was. Uh, I think I was a rising sophomore at the time. You know, I went down there the first time. You know, I loved it at the, t- at the time. You know, they were my first. They were the first school to offer me. You know, many kids can say that uh, University of Alabama was the first offer, but you know, it was the first school to offer me. I was, uh, I always had a thing for Alabama, you know. Like I said, they were the first to offer me. Just, just some they were always in that, in my um, circle of things. So you know, right. And and just talk about then to, to give the audience a kind of an idea. Obviously, you committed to Georgia for a few months. What was your, what was your mindset then when you decided? Obviously, Alabama been recruiting you for a long time. I know Coach Pruitt means a lot to you. What what led you to commit to Georgia? Um, you know, like a lot of people say, I felt that Georgia was a sleeping giant in the SEC. You know, they they've always they've always made it to the like, such when they play Alabama in the SEC, and they all just seem to fall short. And I just feel like with Coach Pruitt being there and new things turning around, they getting rid of the players that had some altercations going on. I just feel like it was a a good place to be. In. Would have been a good situation, a good thing to be a part of in the future. Yeah, and obviously though, I think uh, what what were the ultimate factors though, and you deciding to, to flip to Alabama? I know it, you, there's been some changes on Alabama's coaching staff as far as your lead recruiter. It seems to me, and I'll let you speak on it, but it seems Kevin Steele, who's your new lead recruiter, did a very good job with your mother and your family. Uh, just kind of talk about Coach Steele and your relationship with him, and and the other factors that ultimately led you to decide to come back to Alabama. You know, I, I, and honestly, I, I feel like Coach Steele is one one of, if not the best recruiter in the uh, in the nation. You know, he he understood that I had committed to Georgia, and he he let both my parents and myself know that he was going to continue to recruit me. And um, 
you know, he just he just started to build a great relationship with my mom, and he started to come in. We started to build a great relationship also. We started to talk. And then, then things just started to settle in. That I, I need to realize that Alabama could put me in a place that I want to be in the near future. And if I was to get to that, that uh, this place I want to be, I'll be ahead of the game already knowing the knowledge that Coach Saban and himself and Coach Mark and uh, acknowledging me. Rico, this is Kerry Clark. I work with John Garcia over at BamaMag.com and Scout.com. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. We're really happy to have you here on the show. Uh, what you didn't tell Drew yet, but I'm going to give you a chance to tell him. Uh, I think what happened was Coach Steele pointed out to Rico that uh, Alabama has one of the nicest indoor practice facilities in the country, and Georgia ain't even started building theirs yet. And Rico's like, okay, roll tide in. Ain't that how it went down, Rico? <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. And I, I, that's a good point, Kerry. Uh, they, are, they are trying to build an indoor facility. But, and I, I do want to ask, that's a good segue, though, Rico. What, do you, what are your thoughts? I mean, you're familiar now with the campus. You've camped there many times. Alabama has continued to upgrade their facilities. What kind of, deci- what kind of role in your decision – that Alabama's facilities have, because obviously uh, they're top of the line. Oh, yeah. You know, every kid in the country uh, wants to be able to be around the top of the line equipment, facilities, and like that. But no doubt, in my opinion, they have one of the best facilities in the in the country, you know. And as from a, being recruit, a recruit standpoint, you know, it's just something that catch the eye, you know, just something that you can use. It's just a great place you want to keep your four years, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I've got to I've got to ask you this question too because I don't know I know you know him well and he's on your we I, I was texting with him last night we thought we might have him on but he could not come on tonight uh, how excited or what kind of role did he try to as far as did he always mention the, the tie to you uh, what kind of relationship do you have with Lamansky Hall who's a former Bama linebacker on the staff at your school. Oh, Koski, I love Koski. That's my boy. You know, Koski. He really never, he really never pushed me anywhere. You know, he always, he's always been with me. He always supported me. I want. He, he was a, he loved Coach Pruitt. Like once he was happy, I went to Georgia. But when he found out I t- decided to change my mind, you know, he was even more happy. You know, because that's where he was from. He, he uh, won national championship there. You know, just that was just where he grew up. He just, you know, he was happy. We got excited. He joked around a little bit, and he just welcomed me to the family. Rico, this is Kerry again. I got a couple for you. Uh, first off, w- when you're being recruited and now that you are committed, are they telling you uh, you're going to start off at corner or safety? Uh, we, we're not really sure yet. You know, Coach Saban has a thing like once the first and first get there, he'll let them choose where he wants to, uh, where they want to play. You know, it's really no, it's really no funny if you're not being able to play where you want to play. If you don't have a chance, but um, they they really like me at the Rovers position. You know. Teams are starting to spread the ball out a lot more, and teams of the defenses are forced to play with more DBs to keep up with those receivers. So they really like me at the um, rover position, but also anywhere from I can, I they feel I can play corner or safety. Also, another another thing is uh, I wanted to ask you. Uh, this is something I ask all the defensive players, uh, particularly DBs. Uh, looking back at your varsity career, there it is worth. Uh, what would you say was the hardest hit you ever put on a receiver? Uh, let's see. Oh, my um, first game my junior year, it was a uh, a team that scored enough and they tried to go for it. They tried to go for two, and they ran like a a bubble, a slant bubble. And I read the I read the bubble and I saw the receiver. Uh, I mean, the quarterback pull up and give it to the receiver. So I I break on the ball. I was initially trying to intercept it. 
but I, I feel I, I knew at the last minute I couldn't get my hands on it, so I just dropped my shoulder. Cleaned his clock. Yes, sir. Well, yeah. Auburn runs that Auburn runs that play a lot, so I'm kind of <laughs> glad to hear you say that. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and I wanted to ask you, Rico. I, the last time I spoke with you was last year uh, at, when you came with your with your with your family. I think it was the first time you had ever visited Alabama for a game. That was LSU mm-hmm. you know, when they came yes, to Brian Denny Stadium, and I know that made a huge impact on you when I talked to you at that point. Uh, matter of fact, that there was even some thoughts about you committing at that point because you had such a great, you know, weekend there. But just kind of talk about the uh, what the, about that weekend and the, and then what you thought thought of the environment at Alabama and then your your family. I know your parents, your especially your mother, played a key uh, role in your decision. What was her thoughts on you know why of, of her wanting you to approve of you flipping uh, to Alabama as well? What was her? What was uh? How comfortable was she with you doing that? Uh, extremely comfortable. You know, she she was um honestly she grew up an Alabama fan all growing up. You know, she's a huge fan of uh, Coach Saban. You know, her they have a great they have a tremendous relationship with each other. You know, they they get along well and Coach Steele. But I think the LSU game it really opened my eyes a lot of things. You know, just it was just something about it, you know, just enthusiastic. It was just a, a huge – I, I, I can just see why any recruit would just love to play there, you know, just a great environment, fans everywhere. The fans, the fans even knew who I was, was. You know, I'm just a high school kid going to watch a college game, but even the fans walking up to me after to take pictures and autographs, you know, it was just the game, the LC game, it was a big deal to me. Yeah, and and I, and I wanted to ask you uh, this too, and I always ask this of, you know, every kid that comes on here, every prospect, just so the the fans can that's listening to us tonight can get an idea of it. As you as a football player, you know, I talked to Paul Wade, your defensive coordinator. He said a lot of good things about you. Said that you 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 basically could play both ways full time, but with the schedule y'all play. He, he said it would half kill him. We can't do that to him. We need him full-time on defense, part-time on offense, and, of course, you return kicks. But what do you feel like your strengths are as a football player and what you bring to the table uh, for your, as, a, as a player right now? Uh, just compete, you know, just compete, compete, compete. You know, I'm at my school, that's the only thing my coaches, coaches preach, just compete, be the best you can do. You know, I feel like I'll bring that competitive edge. You know, I want to win everything, every. Every down, every every series, every every game, you know, just just I'm just uh, I just love to compete. And Rico, and, uh, I got oh, one go for ahead. you real quick. Just came on my text on my phone. Somebody wants me to ask Rico a question, so I'm going to ask it. Uh, and it's so funny, Rico. I got to tell you before I ask this question, the guy that we had on before you, uh, Mr. William Barger, he played ball with Coach Ski. Okay, uh, the mm-hmm. guy that's coming on next after you is a guy that I mentioned earlier that's a friend of mine. He comes on about once a month with us, John Garcia from Scout.com and Bama Mag. He has texted mm-hmm. me, and he would like to know, Rico, uh, Mr. Garcia, uh, would like to know what kind of help you're going to be able to give Alabama as far as uh, recruiting uh, Drew Richmond and Kyle Phillips. Uh, that's a good question. You know, I, Drew – me and Drew, like you know, that's my that's my guy. You know, we 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 played each other the past three years in state championship game. So you know, that's my guy. You know, I really we really don't get in much into the recruiting process. Though we just we both you know, do what we think best for us. You know, we, and whatever we don't let anything influence us. But uh, you know, I hope I hope that influence. I try to I try to teach them. I try to tell them, what, tell them what's going on, and I try to sneak them in every now and then. That's good, man. Go ahead, Drew. 
And I was going to ask you too, Rico, because obviously, yeah, the old saying is you, you either get better or you get worse. And you're always you, you sound like you're a guy that constantly working. Like you said, you compete all the time. What are you looking to improve on as far as aspects of your game going into your senior season and then transitioning to Alabama? Um, just just like you say, just improving my technique. You know, I have a lot of things I need to work on. You know, stuff don't show up on film. You know, I have to work on keeping working with a lower pad level. You know, just being quicker, driving on the ball and things like that, catching ball at the highest point. You know, just just always something that you can that you can use to elevate your game. You know, I know from high school it causes a huge transition, especially going to a place like Alabama. You know, just gotta be on my game, be be pay attention to detail and things, just things such as that. Yeah, and I, I and then one other thing I, I want to ask you is I know these two guys are crucial and you choose an Alabama in your comfort level, and they will both be coaching you uh, personally. But talk about, uh, one, you know, your relationship with Kirby Smart. I know you've known him for a long time. He's been there for a long time. And then uh, the second part of the question is ultimately Nick Saban. He obviously helps coach the DBs. But what has your relationship been like with Coach Saban? Because I know you've also known him for a while as well. Oh well, I start with Coach Smart. Coach Smart's a genius, you know. In my opinion, you know, he's done he's done a lot for Alabama's program on the defensive side of the ball. You know, he took on a lot of load after Coach Pruitt left there. You know, he just I feel like he's put he puts the playmakers where they need to be. He puts players where they need to be and puts them in the best situation to make those plays. And I feel like that's part of the reason why they're very successful. And uh, Coach Saban, you know, Coach Saban, we we've always been cool. You know, he's always. It's not people can take Coach Saban as a fan of his. You know, he told me he told me multiple times he's a huge fan of me. You know, just because my size and my and my capability for this position I'm playing. So you know, me and Coach Saban have a really good relationship. Yeah, and obviously, and just so the audience can clarify, because of the way your school is set up, you're not going to be able to enroll early. Is that correct? Oh yes, that's correct. Yeah, that's what I was talking to your coach, Paul Wade. He said, y'all have a stringent academic school, and there was no way that was going to be able to happen. But uh, yeah. And I, I just, I just want to uh, – just, and I, we usually do this at the beginning of the interview, but I want people to kind of get an idea of you physically. Because the last time I saw you personally uh, was at the Spain Park Combine. Uh, you were there, and you were you're a little banged up, but you worked out some. But I thought you looked really good physically. What right now what, – what is your current height and weight? Uh, right now I'm six foot one ninety five. I I broke yeah. my ankle during that. Yeah, I, I got about two fifteen, so I've slimmed down a little bit. I'm one ninety five now. Right, absolutely. And and what do you and uh, with and with and what are your and I guess I want to your 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 final goals. I mean, you've had such a great career at Innsworth and in a great program. What are your ultimate goals for yourself individually and then for your football team in your senior season? Uh, individually, you know, I just want to, you know, I just want to, I want to do whatever my team needs me to do. You know, I, I'm, I don't want to sit and say I'm gonna win Mr. Football or rush for a certain amount of yards. You know, sometimes that's my, that's not what my team needs. They may need me to, they may need to sit in for fullback or something. You know what I mean? So I just, I just want to, ultimately, I just want to support the team and do whatever I can to get to back to the Cougs and win the state championship. Well, Rico, man, we really appreciate you joining us tonight. Uh, we've kept you a couple minutes over, but we know your phone's been blowing up. We know you've been uh, very, very busy. Obviously, your, your team's in deep preparation uh, for their season, trying to win a state title. We appreciate you coming on BAMS tonight, man, and letting the fans hear from you. And uh, we hope to be in touch with you in the future to see how your senior season's going. But roll tide, Rico, and we really appreciate you coming on. Yes, sir. Thank you. Roll tide. Roll tide, brother. Thanks so much, Rico.
Yes, sir. Absolutely, Kerry. That was a great interview. He's a well-spoken young man. I've spoken to him on two other occasions, and I know John has as well uh, on a few t- a few times. And he's just a great kid. And it was a tough decision for him, but it was something you know that would have been speculated on a long time. Uh, the commitment of uh, Ronnie Harrison. Some people thought might have closed that door. Obviously, it didn't with the Alabama staff. And he's going to be a big addition to the Capstone. He is, and it's great to have him uh, in the back of my mind, and I guess in my heart. I always thought Rico was going to flip. I just didn't know when. Uh, I, I never felt like he was really going to sign with Georgia. I can't explain why. I think after following recruiting for 30-something years, you, you sometimes just get gut feelings about it. And my gut feeling was that Rico was going to end up at Alabama, even if it was February. I, I always thought he was going to do it. And I'm glad to know he went ahead and made it official. Uh, we do have a, a little bit of time. We can take some calls before John Garcia joins us after the top of the hour and also john is willing to entertain calls as well but so are drew and i and you can reach us at 714-510-3707 that's 714-510-3707 that's a uh, call-in number to bams radio we'll be happy to entertain any questions you might have and i i hate i missed the first 20 minutes because i I really had some stuff i wanted to chime in with (laughs) on uh, what i saw uh, but my modem decided it needed to be rebooting, and there ain't nothing fast about a charter modem. So that's what's yeah, up. Yeah. Uh, first, I thought it was just a problem with Skype. Now I looked down and saw that I didn't have but like one light of my modem. I was like, oh, hell. But anyway, um, I'm here. <laughs> Kerry Clark, scout.com, bamamag.com. And uh, I'm glad we have that, uh, you know, got William on. I think we probably just need to go ahead and plan on getting William again since <laughs> you yeah. and I will not be there Saturday, and he will. Uh, the following Saturday, we will be there, and he won't. So we'll give him an off week, uh, week after next. But I'd like to see him come on for maybe, you know, maybe 20, 25 minutes uh, after the top next Wednesday because uh, uh, he'll be able to share some things from the scrimmage that, that, you know, we can only get from him, quite frankly. So that's good. And uh, we're going to save all the recruiting talk uh, other than just having talked to Rico until uh, after the top of the hour when we bring on John Garcia from BabbleMag.com and Scout.com. He's got loads of info and updates and now he's posting updates as we speak, and uh, I hadn't even had a chance to read them yet. I'll probably do that on the break. Uh, but anyway, hell, I guess I've already had my break, though. Uh, uh, but, yeah, and, uh, so, Drew, just uh, based on what's going on with the team right now, I'm, I'm going to make a, a prediction, and I haven't been on board with this until now. But now that I have seen this uh, injury, I guess it is, to Leon Brown, and, and I've seen them continually running Shank out there with the first unit at guard. I, I'm going to have to agree with you and Redfish, who have told me all along that one of the f- first five out there uh, against West Virginia is going to be Dominic Jackson. I'm, I'm sold that that's why he's learning right guard right now, and I'm sold that that's where he's going to trot out with the first team to against West Virginia. Uh, your thoughts? Uh, you know, I, I could I could definitely see that happening. I want to see what happens in the scrimmages. You know, Shank has lost weight. He's tried to, you know, reshape himself. He is very impressive physically. So we will see, you know, what happens there. I'd like to see Dom and see him settle in once he, his head stops spinning and he knows the plays uh, to just let his physical ability take over. Obviously, uh, it seems, though, that – but, again, competition is good for the football team. Obviously, Leon Brown should return. You don't know when. Uh, if Shank Taylor can perform well and, you know, he, he and Dom Jackson have to truly fight for the right guard position, it can only be better for Alabama. I also want to see 
if, uh, you know, if Ari Kwanjo looks a little bit better. You know, the thing is, he struggled a lot last year. He does have some knee issues that have limited his mobility, but obviously the coaches trust him implicitly, and they've, uh, you know, he's been basically unchallenged at left guard. So they obviously think the three blocks of granite are Ryan Kelly, you know, Shepard, and then uh, and, and, and Ari. But hearing great things about Cam Robinson and his progress, and I can't wait to hear, you know, Redfish Barger's take on uh, Cam Robinson. You know, they don't obviously bring people like Cam um, or even or even other freshmen like Deshaun Hand out for interviews their first year on campus. But I will say this, they did bring Sean down there, uh, and we got to talk to him for about 10 or 15 minutes uh, out there on the field. It was blazing hot right before the team photo Sunday. This is way before the rain ever came. Uh, but walking around in the hallway prior to the press conference, some of the players were going back and forth, getting dressed, getting ready for the pitch and all that. And I saw Deshaun Hand, and I saw Cameron Robinson, and they have something in common with Sean. Uh, and Drew, it's an expression that we lovingly say, grown-ass man. <laughs> they all three are. I mean, I don't care if they're 18, they are, or maybe 19 at the most. Those three guys are grown-ass men. You would never in your dreams think that you were looking at college freshmen. I mean, wow. And, and this is why, you know, Alabama can intimidate people like Notre Dame in the tunnel before a game. Because, I mean, when they get off the bus, if the other team looks at them and they see what Scott Cochran's done and they see that some of these guys, you know, just being recruited, that Scott's only had some of these guys a couple of months. But, I mean, Drew, they, I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> grown-ass men. Yeah, I just – and I, I'm really looking forward to seeing all those guys, Kerry. And I just, you know, I I can't wait to see them. And I – I'm disappointed for Ashawn in a way, but like William said, it's really not. He's not going to be out for an extended period of time. It gives guys, you know, like Deshaun Hand, a chance, like Rayshon Evans, a chance to get better. Um, I really like Dalvin. I really think he's stepping up, Kerry. I loved how vocal he was today in the early workout. Uh, he's a high character kid. You know yourself, and John knows this. He's going to be on with us in just a few minutes. Dalvin could have gone to Harvard. He's not. Dalvin told me something really interesting, and, and I know that uh, it was on Go some ahead, stories. On. Da- yeah. Dalvin, you know, I was asking him about uh, being a high school soccer player and how that might have helped him, you know, as yeah. a, you know his, his footwork and all that on the D-line. And he said, yeah, soccer helped my footwork a, a pretty good bit, but I'll be honest with you. He said, uh, he said what helped me was being a wrestler in high school with both yeah. leverage and hand placement. And, you know, I got to think about it, and I was like, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I'm gonna tell you, he was going to be as Coach accurately pointed out, he was going to be the third DN last year. Yeah, I asked and, Coach Saban about him, and right after the scrimmage, the the Red Elephant Club. I don't know if you remember that, but I asked Coach Saban about that, and he and he said he was basically a, a starter at that. Yeah, point. And, and he was, and he, and you know, people, rightfully so, have questioned where's the pass rush, where's the pass rush. Uh, Dalvin's going to help with that a whole lot. Uh, but, you know, I, some of the things, I, I before we, we bring on John, uh, I, I, I did get a chance to watch. Obviously, y'all have already talked about the quarterbacks, and, I, and I'm sure you talked about how all of them had their share of poor passes. And that's true. But I was watching some of the one-on-one battles as they went up and down the line on the O-line versus the D-line. 
And uh, I, I, I got to tell you, man, somebody to watch out for is, is Josh Kasher. He, yeah, he's, he's, he's nasty. Yeah, we going to tell us about him, but Josh Kasher, he don't back down from nobody, okay? First he will get after your ass. Well, you first said that when you saw him last year for Friday Night Lights. Well, he's carried then, it on, though. And, and then, Well, that's what I'm saying. And then William t- tells me, you know, when he, 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 he talked to Mario Cristobal, uh, you know, in a, a while back, a few, you know, a couple of weeks ago, was able to speak with Mario. And uh, and that was huge. And he said, "That's my little pit bull." I mean, when you're able to, you know, when you're able to speak to uh, an Alabama assistant coach, and he he puts a term like that to a kid, that's huge. And uh, I just he think he may be number. He may be fast. running with the twos all year this year. Right. Absolutely. I'm not so, sure he's going to register. And I will tell you, uh, despite the size difference, uh, when they're running, and, and granted, this it's shorts and shoulder pads. It's not full gear. But when they ran uh, the pass rush drills, he did a hell of a job on Ashawn. Yeah, I absolutely. was like, "Wow, little Josh Castro up there." Ashawn never really whipped him. Yeah, I mean, there they, was they, some standoffs, but there was never an ass beating. Yeah, and they were they, they were talking about how basically if he had if he were four inches taller, he'd be a left tackle. He has those oh, kind of feet. NFL left tackle. Yeah, amazing. He's gonna be a hell of a college guard. I'll tell you that. And I, I'll tell you that. I mean, and I don't. I'm like William. I don't buy into all this height crap. I just because, to be honest, Chance wasn't really tall, but he was nasty and had great athletic, great athletic ability and could pull and was just a, a tremendous run blocker, pretty good pass protector. But Chance was a great football player. Barrett Jones. I don't. And then people forget. And I know it was a, a different time under a different staff. But uh, a big, uh, a, a big, uh, someone I compare him to, uh, who, but he's taller than this particular lineman. But I compare him to Mariko Portis of Viger High School, who was a very good guard at Alabama, who the previous Alabama staff had given up on for some odd reason. But uh, under Franchoni, he became a very good player. He and did. So, that, uh, that time they ran up and down the field in Jordan Hare in 01, Mariko Portis was a very big part of that. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's why that's why I, I'm excited for Josh Casher. Well, he, I, I have very high hopes. And I was watching Cam in the pass drills, and uh, Cam held his own against Ashawn, uh on pass rush drills. Now, I granted, again, they're not in full gear, but it's shorts and shoulder pads. They're popping. Hand placement and leverage are still key. And, and, and Cam held his own, and he held his own right. against Jonathan Allen. And uh, – I tell you, somebody that's missing a golden opportunity right now, Drew, by being suspended is Tim Williams. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, he just he uh, that that it's just so disappointing. He was he had a tremendous eight day game. Looked like he was making progress, and now it's been well documented he hasn't even practiced, and he's putting himself behind the eight ball, especially with a freak like what you've already talked about, Rayshon Evans. <laughs> And now, Rayshon did, did also ha- had some good standoffs with Cam, uh, and, and Cam did a pretty good job on him. I, I never saw him really go all the way around the camp. Now, Rayshon whipped several people, and I noticed that they were working with uh, – with, that Lance was working with, with him on his swim move yeah. and uh, just trying to add more tools to the toolbox. But several players commented uh, during the interviews before the team photo how impressed they were with Rayshon. And we, we knew this all along from watching him in high school that, you know, he had the potential. But, but this is a guy that thus far is living up to it. And uh, 
I'm going to go out on a limb and say that, that William next week is going to have some good things to tell us about Sean. Oh, yeah, I don't have any doubt. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about Deshaun Hand. I'm also excited about Josh Frazier, uh, six foot three, 335 pounds. He was uh, another guy that got several mentions by the O-line and D-line on those interviews. Uh, uh, Josh Frazier, I, I don't think he's going to redshirt, Drew. No, I think him and Deshaun are going to play on well, the defensive line. Deshaun's not really in the rotation just yet, but but he's pushing for it. He's coming. He's pushing for it. He's, he, I, I, think, I, I think it's fair to say that Deshaun won't redshirt. No, he's he got some. He's he's been getting a little bit of time with the second group and the D line, and he'll get even more now that with all these suspensions. Because Kerry, I, I think I don't know if you're back on when Fish and I talked about this, or but if you look at it, the top the, the three starters from the spring are all gone. One's hurt and and two are suspended. So you're starting. I, never, I never could think of Ivory as a starter, though. I just knew that well, somebody was going to beat him out. I mean, he they, started I, last year on a two-loss team. And, but the, and I, the thing I, is, I mean, against Auburn. and he's just a first-down guy. But I'm just saying with what they had with their first group, honestly, I think Ashawn's going to play a lot of nose. And if he is, play, oh, he is. He admitted and, it. He admitted and, it. And, and the thing about Ashawn is when Ivory got suspended that we broke on Alabama Intel just to plug it, for the Tennessee game uh, last year, he started at nose against yeah. the Vols, and it he was a nose. massacre. To me, Ashawn is more of a nose than he is an end. He's 330-something pounds. Yeah. I mean, so. an end. <laughs> he, so. uh, he, but look, he even said, you know, if they need me to play nose, I'll play nose. If they need to play in, I'll play in. Where they put me, I'm going to you know, do what's best for the team. I've always thought that against the uh, hurry-up-no-huddle type of teams, you you needed a guy more like Ashawn at nose than you did Ivory. Now I'll give Ivory credit for one thing. Uh, you know, in, in talking to uh to Dalvin Thomason about some of the off season diets the D line went on, they said that Brandon is down from three twenty to about two ninety. Nice. Uh, and that's that's good for Brandon. I'm happy to hear it. But he obviously has some other ducks he needs to get in a row. And um I don't even know if we need to take a break tonight, man. I don't know. Pissed off about missing the first twenty minutes. But uh, I, I'm fine, Gary. I know you had to take got like a twenty minute break. Yeah, so, but I, mean, I didn't go to the bathroom that twenty minutes. But, I, but I, I'm good to go. I've only had one soda in the last couple of hours. I think I can hold well, it. For, yeah. Before John comes on, I want to have your thoughts on one thing because we yeah, both go ahead. follow it. What are your thoughts on the tide opening with uh, with Iowa State? That's not an easy opener. Oh, as far as basketball, yeah. Yeah, of the other choices, that's who I would have picked. <laughs> yeah, that's true, though. That's a tough tournament, Drew. It is. Yeah, it's I'm fine with it. Uh, I'm fine with it. I'm trying to figure out what they're doing recruiting-wise. We'll save that for another show. Uh, yeah. Two groups already and one. Uh, I, I'm glad they offered Dazon Ingram out of Theodore. It would be yeah. a way to find out he had available Wichita State offer. No one knew that. Oh, yeah. But he he got does. Up, he does. So, Hopefully, you know, we, they got in them on time. I don't think there's much. I, I don't know. All right. Mouth breathing. Stop, stop. 900 pounds. <clears throat> okay, we have a text, and it says <laughs> we have got our next guest on hold. So Awesome. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and bring him on, your friend and mine, scott.com, bamamag.com, a wealth of information. Uh, he, he just covers this stuff 24-7. He's quickly becoming an MVP on this second hour of BAMS. Mr. John Garcia, Jr., what is up, my friend? Don't overhype me, Kerry, please. <laughs> oh, I would never do that, John. <laughs> you live up to it, bro. 
Yeah, you got to mention in the first hour, Don, because you got you're a unique guy. Because I heard you tell somebody this the other day. I may have been a post you had on Scout, but I know, and I noticed this with some film you shot last year that I watched quite a bit on YouTube of Keith Holcomb. You're not one of these guys that likes to do these highlight films and just watch huddle tape. You you want to watch the entirety of the of the of the football game if you can, and and analyze pretty much every play and how they react. And I think that's a that's an excellent approach. To in other words, like a real the, analyst. Would do. Yeah, to the business you're in. But I thought that spoke highly of you. And uh, and I remember because I was shocked when I clicked on the tape. I was like, uh, usually I, you're watching just cut ups. And I thought, wait a minute, man, this is like a whole half. And so I'm like, wow. So I thought this is kind of cool. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, there's two ways to, to go about it. You know, everybody has highlights. Everybody looks great on their highlights. How could you separate? Right three stars from four stars and four stars from five stars when they're all 6'2", you know, coming off the edge and blasting quarterbacks. You, you can't really separate highlights. You know, you put on Christian Bell's highlight, it'll look like Keith Holcomb's highlight. And you put on Keaton Anderson's highlight, it'll look something like Leo Lewis's highlight. They're all really good when you're editing plays, but I like to just film the whole game and, and post really almost every play I see involving that prospect because it gives you a true sense of what he is as a player, not as a highlight maker. Uh, of course, they might not get as many views as, you know, putting up Anthony Jennings' one-headed touchdown catch. Um, but for me, um, it, it's more uh, reference uh, and it's a starting point for me, for me to go back to later. You know, when Anthony Jennings, I'm just using him as an example because he was one of the more recent games I filmed, you know, after that touchdown, if he staying on the field and, and going back on defense, which he did, you know, and then what is his motor like those next few plays after playing a whole offensive drive in a two-minute drill and only getting the kickoff and the extra point as his break? You know, those are the things I want to see to, to truly evaluate a guy. Um, so it's just a different perspective. It's just more thorough. I'm, I'm a football nerd. I mean, it's what I do. It's what I do every day. Um, so why not take a more thorough approach to, uh, than simply just cutting up highlights? That's why I love going out to the opening in Oregon so much because I got to see – the best of the best, whip each other up for three days. Um, so those clips, you know, you put on you put on Deron Payne clips or you put on even Marquez Ivy, who was the number one player on scout until a couple weeks ago, and those guys are losing reps badly. You know, so the casual fan might say, well, how is he still a five-star or what have you? But, you know, it's because the competition was just as good. So you want to see how he is on that next play and on that following play and how his technique changes, how he learns from his mistakes things like that. So, sure, I can put up five clips of Martez Ivy, you know, burying somebody, um, but I'd rather put up the 15 clips where he's burying somebody on five, looking average on five, and, and actually losing five, you know, to, to give you a better sense of, of what he can be or, or who he is, you know, at this time. So that's just a philosophy of mine. It doesn't always happen. You know, if I film a game with six prospects, I'm not going <laughs> to put up film of six guys, you know, with 50 plays because I don't have time. Um, but if there's one or two guys, I'll definitely try to lock in on them and show a little bit more than uh, than you see on, on YouTube and other. John, you've been a part of a couple of uh, pretty exciting launches this week. I'm going get, to get you to tell our listeners about them one at a time. Uh, first off, tell them about your new podcast. Well, yeah, you know, I'm trying to be like you guys. You know, I, I'm not I'm not <laughs> the live status yet. I can't. I, I'm not cool enough to, to jump straight to live and having callers and text. Well, we'll let you know when you get there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not there yet. But, um, yeah, we've, we've uh, teamed up 
uh, with Bama Sports Radio, uh, which has it's part of the V Portal Network. It's got um, sites for Ole Miss, Mississippi State, a lot of uh, SEC schools. Uh, we're going to run a podcast at least two times a week. Uh, so for this week, it'll be two times. The first one was out on Tuesday. The next one will be out on Friday. Uh, but we'd like to move it eventually to three times a week, kind of Monday, Wednesday, Friday, give you a, just a different vantage point of where Alabama is in recruiting. It's called Crimson and Blue Chip. Obviously, the title is self-explanatory with Alabama recruiting of late. We might have to change it if there's a you know, coaching change in a couple of years. We might have to edit that title if, if, it, if there's a drop-off. But uh, that's the title right now. That's what we're going with. Uh, and we'll have guests. Every single time, uh, it won't just be recruiting. It'll be mostly recruiting, uh, but we'll bring on some team guys as well to, to sort of um, satisfy the team football fix uh, for the Crimson Tide. So we're really excited about it. They're going to be short and sweet, you know, between 30 minutes to an hour, maybe an hour 15 as we get closer to National Signing Day. But right now they're just going to be informative supplements to uh, the work we do at MMAX.com um, every day. And I understand your first guest was Blake Barnett uh, for the Tuesday cast. Who do you have coming up next? Uh, we're going to have a twofer. We're going to have uh, a guy you know quite well, Kirk McNair, uh, who is the publisher of BamaMag.com. He's going to give us um, the team spin on things. You know, obviously, camp is going on right now. Um, Storyline pretty much everywhere. So I'm going to let him fill you in instead of listening to me ramble on more about the team. And then uh, we're going to have Keaton Anderson on. Uh, as well, nice. speaking to him tomorrow night to record it. Uh, you know, he's just been an interesting storyline. One, because uh, obviously his recruitment, you know, his whole family played at Tennessee. I mean, they have a brand new athletic facility called the Anderson Center for his family. Uh, so him yeah. turning wow. that for Alabama is a story within itself. Uh, but on top of that, he's playing big Deron Payne in his first game in a couple of weeks. And he's, it's, it's interesting because he's targeting Deron Payne as a recruit to help out the Prince Tiger. He's also playing against him in a big game for both programs that will set the tone for their whole year. Both of those programs have, you know, state championship aspirations. So um, it's, it's a lot to talk about, and I'm looking forward to, to catching up with him. And, you know, because it's been a while since we've talked anyway. So um, all that wrapped together I think will be a treat for um, uh, really any fan to listen to because he's one of the more well-spoken kids, very intellectual um, on and off the field. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, so it should be a good show on Friday. And well, something, I gotta, else, something else he wrote out, just real quick, Drew. He uh-huh. wrote out another feature this week uh, called the 2015 Bama Big Board. Uh, kind of explain yes. to the listeners how that works, John, and then uh, a little bit about some movement on there as recently as tonight. <laughs> well, yeah, seemingly always some movement on there. Uh, well, we've done it the last couple of seasons. Uh, basically, it's your daily check. If you do one thing every day, if you're a BamaMac.com subscriber, you should be doing this. Go to the Bama Big Board, check the dates. They're in chronological order, uh, and it's literally refresh that every couple of hours if you want. You're going to get everything filtered about the top commitments and the top targets that Alabama has in 2015 all in one space. Uh, you're going to get the tidbit of the information. You're going to get a link to the story, and you're going to get a link to um, what we call the fancier version of the Bama Big Board, which is brand new for this year. You know, the, the one where we just give you the updates, chronological fashion with the story links that has been um on bama max since i've been on bama max but uh, the fancy version uh, as i like to call it uh is more interactive uh, it is pretty it's got pictures it's got a uh, logo it's got a um, very organized looking presentation with um just 
the stats of, of the prospects. So for Blake Barnett, it'll say his high school, you know, five-star quarterback, number three in the country, yada, yada. It's just more organized, and, and I'm able to edit um, one paragraph on each guy. Um, so, for instance, you know, the commitments don't get uh, tweaked very much. But, uh, for instance, today I went in and tweaked George Campbell um, because, you know, he sort of surprisingly had Alabama in top ten he released last week. But all of a sudden, day he told Scout Andy Campbell that he might make a decision as early as next week. So obviously that's not great news for Alabama, considering he hasn't been on campus in, in quite some time. Uh, he just spent a lot of time at Florida State. Um, so the in-state battle between Florida State and Florida is seemingly heating up for a guy like George Campbell. So we react to that um, by dropping his status. On each player's status, there's a temperature gauge. Um, I believe it is uh, cold, cool, warm, and hot, and then committed. Obviously committed is self-explanatory. Um, and the temperatures are all just based on the probability that Alabama would land whichever prospect you're looking at. So for Campbell, uh, I believe it might have been warm since he just put Alabama in his top ten. But, of course, with the news that his decision could come in the next week or so, we dropped that down to cool because it's just not looking as good for the Crimson Tide since he hasn't been to campus, at least as far as we know. You never know in today's security. So that's just sort of a, a gauge of, of what's going on at this the very latest. Uh, so those will be edited simultaneously. It's all encompassed in, in what we call the Bama Big Boy. We're excited about it. Uh, it took a while to put together, but now that it's put together, it's a little easier to manipulate since a lot of those guys don't get tweaked um, day to day. It's only the guys who, who are relevant that day. Um, and there's little updates on there, uh, little links to, to the latest tweets we've done to it. So it's, it's pretty easy to follow and uh, if you're a subscriber, it, it should be your one-stop shop for all things uh, tied recruiting uh, with less than six months to go now till National Signing Day. Well, and, John, I've got to ask you, because uh, to be honest, I knew there were some big games coming up, I mean, early in the high school season, but I did not realize Shades Valley was opening against Florence. Okay, A, what's the date of the game, and B, where where is the location? Yeah, I was actually just – I talked to Payne and Keaton Anderson today because I wanted to verify that. I know uh, when I was over at Shade Valley for uh, spring practice, checking it on Duran and Keith Mixon and, and the great prospects they have on that team, <laughs> head coach Bill Smith, you know, former Alabama player, was freaking out about the schedule. He said, man, it's, it's brutal. It just doesn't get easier. And I was like, why? And he goes, well, hold on. And he lifts up, you know, his projector screen to his, and it shows his whiteboard and it says game one. So I'm like, okay, well, there you go. That, that'll set you all right. <laughs> so <laughs> they open up with Florence. It is at Shades Valley, so uh, right outside yes. of Birmingham and Irondale. Um, so they'll get them at home. You know, both teams have had the game circled on their calendar. Both teams had a very good season last year, had some, ups, you know, some tough playoff losses. You know, both teams lost to Hoover, so that alone should let you know how good they were. They lost to Hoover in the playoffs in back-to-back weeks. And Florence actually had Hoover on the ropes, uh, I believe, 21-7 early on. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so Florence was was riding high and just got it swept out from underneath them. Um, that's what Marlon Humphrey and, and P.J. Hall in that secondary will do if you punch to them. So um, they're, they're both – you know, have plenty of motivation this off season. So that game is August 22nd, Shades Valley hosting Florence. Uh, and it's, it's really cool because, because you also have uh, Carver playing Obelika 
that day in the Champions Challenge in Montgomery. Of course, Lindell Wilson, the number one player for 2015, um, or 2016, I should say, uh, five-star with the Alabama offer, of course, um, seemingly the side lead there as well. So that's where I was headed initially until I found out that uh, the other game was on the same day. And then the next day, that Champions Challenge up in Montgomery continues with uh, – Jade will play in Piedmont, so I'll get to see uh, the latest version of Anthony Jennings to see if he's trimmed up, if he's continuing to gain healthy weight, and what have you. So it'll be a, a fun weekend of, of tracking Alabama's, uh, you know, two of their top in-state commitments, and, and you know, they're, they're obviously a top priority in Durant-Fain going forward and back-to-back days, so I'm looking forward to it. Well, I gotta, and i got to ask my partner, Kerry Clark, I know he's got his schedule set. Were you going to be at that game, Kerry? Uh, no, I start on the weekend of the 29th every year. Okay, okay. Because my anniversary is the 23rd, and I'm just not going to hose that up with <laughs> that, that weekend. And really, John, it's a little confusing to me, John, because, uh, you know, I, I, and I'm sure John knows way more about this than me, but why I'm confused is those champion challenge games in Montgomery, they, they don't even count. They're exhibitions. So I guess that, it throws and that's, me that's off. That's the main reason why I'm not going. <laughs> I guess it throws me off that there's a game 822 between Florence and Shades Valley that actually counts on their record. It's not a jamboree. It's it's a regular season game. Yeah, well, they're, it, they're doing it is a I, regular I, I, season game. Yes, See, that's very top, early top, for the state uh, of Alabama. John, John to have is a game correct. That and now in my neck of the woods, John probably knows I'm in Huntsville. I have a game of the same caliber that will be a 3A, a 3A, 4A matchup that will be a real game, and it's going to be on ESPN. It's going to be on August the 22nd, and it's going to be, uh, it's going to be uh, Leeds and Madison Academy, and I'm looking forward to that. And that's uh, being played where? That's going to be at Madison Academy. Okay. They're working out the details of that. Leeds did not have the kind of stadium – to be able to host it, Madison right. Academy. They don't. John, they don't. John has been to Madison Academy. He's seen the jumbotron. He's seen the facility. They've had. They've got yeah, a very exactly. nice facility for a 3A school. So they are. They should be. And they. I think they've. They've. They've done some renovating to their field house. So they've got. They're going to be able to host it. They're going to pay leads for losing a home game, but that ball game will be played uh, at Bill Washington Stadium. Yeah, enjoy the running back show have. you're going to get. <laughs> Absolutely. Trey Nation. I haven't yeah. seen a lot of him yet. I'm looking forward to that, uh, looking forward to seeing him. And then, of course, carry on and Malik Miller. Uh, and then even a guy, and, John, I know you show a lot of film. He played a little bit last year, but he will have a bigger role now uh, that Marmar Martin is gone, but Blake Wimberly, who is a pretty good running back, who will have a, a bigger role for the Mustangs uh, this fall. Yes, yeah, that, their skill position uh, in very good shape. They got a receiver I really like, a younger guy too, whose name escapes me. I think Tomlinson is his last name. Yes, yeah, uh, Cole Tomlinson. He he'll be a yeah, he's he'll be a junior. Yes. Yeah, he's, I'm going to catch the Stangs when they come down here. Yeah, they're I'm they're going to be good again. I mean, I guess as expected. Uh, and then the 23rd again, you got Hoover opening up their season on ESPN against Miami Central you know, yes. one of the top teams in the country almost every year. So that weekend is, is just heaven if you're a high school football fan in the state of Alabama or, or otherwise. It is. Well, John, let's uh, jump back into the, the fray. Uh, I know you touched on this a little bit earlier, but uh, to the best of your knowledge, uh, what exactly is going on with Javon Robinson right now? Excellent question. Well, thank you for, <laughs> thank you for prefacing that to the best of my knowledge because – <laughs> that very statement is 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 critical in this um 
Well, you guys know, Javon is a different recruit in every sense of, of the meaning of difference. You know, he's a JUCO guy. He obviously has a well-documented past with, with what happened before Georgia military, which makes you kind of understand why he's so quiet, why he doesn't do the day-to-day interviews. You know, I was talking to Jason Caldwell, who, who runs our Auburn site on Scout, and, and he said, you know, the only time that the Auburn reporters have been able to talk to him, and he is obviously a commitment to the Tigers as of right now, you know, was when he was on campus. You know, Auburn has it set up to where their media can, can speak to, to guys when they're leaving official visits and unofficial visits and what have you, which, of course, we do not have access to at Alabama. Um, so that's really the only time they're able to speak uh, to Javon Robinson. So it's, it's literally as, as rare as it gets uh, in today's recruiting. No social media that we know of. You know, just, he's nearly impossible to get to. Um, so with that being said, obviously you have to work the sources. Um, and I guess it was, what, late last week, maybe Friday, uh, where all in a matter of one hour I had two different sources that have been very good to me lately uh, reach out and say, hey, you know, keep an eye on Javon Robinson in Alabama. And I'm like, okay, is he visiting? And they said no. You know, my philosophy is with that kind of stuff is usually, hey, he's not visiting, you know, you know, tell me something different. Um, but they they insisted that uh, it was, there was some movement. And then I got on the phone with another source who knows him, same thing. Uh, so it all checked out. And then this morning, actually, a fourth source uh, hinted at the same thing. Now, I'm not sure uh, if these sources are all talking to each other, but I just think it's uh, more, it can't be a coincidence that, you know, four different people have reached out to me specifically about the possibility of Alabama flipping a guy who, most people thought would end up at Alabama after all that had happened at Auburn and, and after his freshman junior college season. Remember, you know, he told scout reporters that Alabama was his new dream school mid-season last year, um, and he, you know, he even admitted that he wanted to stick it to Auburn, if you will, um, for the whole thing that went down. Obviously, that has changed, uh, considering he is a commitment. But as far as we know, there is some momentum. They have been in contact uh, much more than they have been. That is confirmed. Um, but in terms of a flip, a timetable, um, that's where I'm going to cut it off because I, I couldn't tell you um, what he is thinking. Each source, that's where their story sort, sort of uh, slips up a little bit. Uh, some think it, it, if anything's going to happen, it's going to be in the next week or so. Others think uh, he's going to hold off. Uh, and the other thing about you know the, the rarity of his recruitment is, is being a junior college guy, those guys usually don't flip. When they make that right. commitment after enrolling in junior college, it's usually locked in because they want to get it over with so they can get their grades and get out of there. And for a guy like Javon, he's getting out of there in December so he can play um, January 2015 at his school of choice, which, of course, you know, now he would be a, a junior. You know, he would only have three years to play two going forward. So when those guys, you know, their clock is ticking to the point where they have to play almost immediately when they get to their final school. So, you know, the recruiting process is, is takes a major backseat compared to that of a high school kid. Um, so I think with that being said, you know, it's, it's a rare case when you're talking Javon Robinson, no matter how you look at it. Uh, but two things we do know, he's an unbelievable talent, and Alabama still very much would like to add him uh, to their 2015 class. So knowing those two facts and knowing there's more communication between both parties, 
that you have to be optimistic if you're an Alabama fan that something is possible, at least much more possible than it was even two or three weeks ago when um, this really wasn't even a story. So it's something we're definitely going to track as much as we can. You know, I've been in touch with his position coach at Georgia Military. He said, you know, nothing's really new right now. They're in the middle of camp. So you can't expect two months right now if, if he's going to make a visit and commit because uh, he won't have the time to do that. So uh, I would say just keep it on the back burner. But, of course, uh, it's certainly a story that can move the needle uh, maybe faster than any other one in recruiting right now. Well, John, this is, uh, this is oh. just me uh, trying to uh... – rag you a little bit because it's not every day does the guy with a master's in broadcasting from Alabama get to rag the guy with a master's in broadcasting from Syracuse. <laughs> However, that being said, in order to school you to be better prepared for live radio, are you up for taking some calls? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Well, everybody, <laughs> anybody out there uh, in BAM's radio land that would like to give John Garcia a question, please call in at 714 510 3707 again 714-510-3707 john's going to be with us for about uh 26 more minutes so uh get your questions ready Colin. i know he'd love to entertain them but right now i'm going to let drew ask him one well john this is a little bit more on jovan i just wanted to clarify something because i know he does not talk but there was talk of him taking an official visit to alabama in the summer or something to that effect now, I don't think that ever really happened. I know he visited unofficially, but does he still plan on taking an official visit or taking his visits, I guess, is more the question. That, that's the question because, you know, my philosophy, again, is, you know, if, if the guy's not visiting, I, I don't think much is going to happen. You know, like Rico right. visited twice after committing to Georgia. You know, so Javon visited Alabama actually very shortly after committing to Auburn, but that was the plan for that weekend. So, I wouldn't really consider that a, oh, you know, turn your head, you know, this guy's visiting situation. Um, now, he also told Auburn reporters that day when he committed, I'm still going to take official visits in Alabama and Georgia uh, would be the two schools to receive said visits. Now, um, it has not happened officially. Um, so if, if it has happened, it's, it's the biggest, you know, win for Nick Saban's staff and, and hiding that from us, which he would love to do. Um but I don't think it has happened yet in terms of that official uh, visit. Uh, of course, JUCO guys are a little accelerated than high school guys, so junior college prospects can take those officials during the summer. Um, but, of course, we, we don't think that has, that has happened for Javon. I don't even think he's taken his Auburn official visit, and he might not. You know, that's possible, too, because, you know, he, he, he's from Tennessee, he played ball in Georgia now, so access to the schools on his short list, you know, Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, maybe Florida State, um, they're not the furthest drives. Uh, so he doesn't have to take those official visits. He could have just been uh, saying it for that day. So it was the plan at one time, uh, according to him, but we're not sure if he is still going uh, to visit in any capacity. Uh, if he does, then, of course, what we've all been working on the last couple of days makes a lot more sense, uh, but there's no clear indication of that, at least right now. Well, we do have a caller at 26 minutes after the hour, and uh, he'll have plenty of questions for you. He's probably the ace caller of this entire show. Uh, John Garcia, please meet Marty from Gadsden. Hey, how, how y'all guys doing tonight? Good, Marty. Pretty good, Marty. Thanks for calling in. Hey, I do have a question. I mean, I'm kind of curious of your opinion about this, uh, I hope I don't botch this name, Jontavius Johnson, who pulled the hat trick today on the Alabama. Com- 
you know, I, I think this is a little bit out of hand. This is the Auburn tactic that they always use to try to bring drama to them that, you know, that they're so superior to Alabama. I mean, I don't even know if this guy really – did he even have an offer from Alabama? He did, a verbal he offer. He a verbal offer at, at the O-line, D-line camp mid-June. Uh, he showed up a lot slimmer than, than he was the last time uh, everybody saw him at Alabama, so they were very impressed. He did hold his own at camp and was told that he had a scholarship offer. Um, but he talked about returning to Tuscaloosa in July before making a commitment. That never happened. Um, he ended up back at Big Cat Weekend. Um, maintained Auburn as his leader all the way through. So um, Alabama, even if it had pushed, um, had an uphill battle to a certain degree, but the question as to whether or not it had pushed for his commitment, I, I'll say no. Uh, they did not. You know, the, the numbers are what they are right now, 21 commitments. Uh, the number is going to be between 25 and 27. Uh, for this class, and of course you have to account for a couple of guys ending up elsewhere just because it's recruiting in, in this millennium, uh, so that's going to happen. But even with that defensive tackle position, it's fairly thin in terms of targets, and obviously everyone knows Deron Payne tops that list. Trenton Thompson's another guy they really want. Uh, he's going to commit uh, next week probably to Georgia, or I'll say most likely, very, very most likely, if you get where, my, where I'm going with that, to Georgia. Um so Johnson was certainly not in the top couple of guys on the pecking order, and they never really pushed for his commitment. Um, Auburn was the first school to offer him way back when, uh, I think two springs ago. So um, the Tigers were really in the driver's seat almost no matter what Alabama did, but Alabama never really hit the gas pedal for his commitment. So uh, it played out probably exactly how most people thought it would. As for his, well, John, his, you know uh, what Alabama probably didn't do? Alabama probably didn't send John Tavius a certified letter this past week with a committable written offer. Well, well I'll say that, this. I'm going to agree with, with you on that one because, um, they've, as, as you guys know, Alabama's very stingy with their written offers because uh, yes. that's when it's getting down to the nitty-gritty, six months to go till signing day, you know, you're in or you're out type of situation. And uh, I would say Johnson has not received one of those at least yet. Uh, he still may my down point the road. Is, you never my know. Point I mean, is the guy has put, approved. You can put all the hats you want on your table and do all the hat swaps, but if you don't have that certified letter or that written offer signed by Nick Saban, it doesn't mean a thing, Mr. Three Star. It doesn't, and I'll say this too. And, I, and a, a good friend of mine is listening to this conversation right now. He got into a Twitter argument this afternoon, <laughs> but that's about like the spin of Auburn trying no. to say they would not have taken Brandon Kennedy. What a joke that is. Now, that is I'm also just saying. A joke. Okay, the best center in the country, and you wouldn't well, take it. Future NFL, future NFL center. Oh, but we had him rated as a no offer. Right, Auburn, right. <laughs> and no, no offense, they've got a good recruiting class, but I'm just saying that's a joke and that's, that's insulting, okay? I mean, I give me a break. This, I will say this. Alabama and Auburn, they bicker in different ways, but in terms of offering guys, I do know in this cycle, and you guys can do the math with, by looking at the commitment list, there are guys that both teams have offered just so the other guy opens his eyes just a little bit more. And there's no coincidence that a lot of guys who have picked up one offer have picked up the other offer the very next day or even the same day when you get to Brandon Kennedy's case. So all those things are very interesting and, of course, only add fuel to the fire. But uh, I think you guys are on the right track for most of what you're talking about right now. John, let me make another brash statement. And you don't have to back me up if you don't want to. And, and Drew, same for you. I'm going to make a brash that I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Richard McBride did not get that certified letter from Tuscaloosa. 
Well, that that I think he got a verbal offer, but you may be well, right. Well, he did, but that's a big difference. I, I will, and it's going to be, and that, that that segues into my next question for John, because obviously, <laughs> well, since we last talked, Marty didn't it, have no more questions. Well, oh, I'm sorry. I'll let Marty get him. Just, just my my one question for John, and Marty may have had this question. I want to know <laughs> with the decommitment of Leo Lewis, who that obviously looks like a long road to hoe. Yeah. Where is Alabama and Adonis Thomas for now as a Gator? Where do you see Alabama going? There's a lot of speculation about Joshua McMillan. Where do you see them going at linebacker? You hit it right on the head. Josh McMillan is, is, is next in every category. His decision is the next one coming up, August 22nd. Uh, he's a priority target uh, since he was offered, even when Leo Lewis um, was on the commitment list, Alabama was pushing. Uh, for Josh McMillan. Uh, they're in great shape. I believe the top three is Alabama, Old Miss, and Michigan. Michigan ended up not getting him on campus uh, despite having an alum from his high school, Whitehaven, uh, in the Memphis area of Tennessee. On their staff, oh, I'm sorry, it was vice versa. There was a Michigan guy on Whitehaven's staff uh, who currently coached McMillan, but they weren't able to get him up for that big barbecue they had uh, at the end of July. Old Miss has had him on campus. It was actually his last visit. Um, he enjoys it there, you know, sort of says the same thing that a lot of guys say about Ole Miss, you know, family atmosphere, team that's on the come up, you know, sort of the coach speak, if you will, of recruits uh, when talking Ole Miss right now. And, of course, within good reason because, you know, those are facts to our knowledge right now. Uh, but with Alabama, it's always a seemingly a different tune. It's about being that true inside backer, that old school inside backer. And, you know, McMillan is not a small guy, just like Leo Lewis isn't a small guy. Those guys <laughs> – some guys are built for today's college football, like Adonis Thomas, Rashawn Evans, uh, Malik Jefferson, guys who can run that 4-4, 4-5, and, and just be freaks and play in space. Josh McMillan and Leo Lewis, they're not those guys. They want to play in that old school. If they could play a 3-4 Pittsburgh Steelers defense, they would be the inside linebackers the whole way through. They could play in the 70s, 80s, whenever. Those are those kind of guys, 240, 250 pounds, you know, guys who are borderline hand-in-the-ground defensive ends. And Alabama's actually talked to McMillan about playing a little bit of defensive end. So there's, there's a lot that's what of I was plans going on. Yeah, there's a lot right. of plans going on between both parties. So I think that that's still very good news for the Crimson Tide. So, you know, that's where everything starts and ends with the linebacker uh, process right now. Um, it, it's all about Josh McMillan pretty much replacing Leo Lewis on the commitment list later this month. Of course, like you said, Adonis Thomas, Struggled with that decision, ended up picking Florida because they had left for about six months. But Alabama made him wait literally until a few hours before that decision uh, when he uh, informed us of, of his intention. So um, Alabama's going to be in the running for him as well. So I think that's the plan. Add one inside guy, add one versatile guy who can play a little bit of outside if you can. But, of course, the old numbers game can creep up and Alabama's okay at the linebacker position if it just adds a guy like McMillan. You do have Keaton Anderson, who we spoke a little bit about earlier. Versatile guy. Love him. Run very well. Probably a will linebacker at the next level. Uh, and, of course, you have some other versatile guys, too. Anthony Jennings, what does he do with his weight? Is he a draft McMillan type, or does he look like he did uh, as a junior at about 225 pounds and look very athletic? Um, Christian Bell, another one. He's up 225 pounds. How does that trend continue? Does he continue to add weight? I look more like a defensive end, or does he sort of uh, hang out with his buddies Jeremiah Moon and Darrell Williams as a supreme outside linebacker and become more of that? So there's a lot of versatility in the linebacking uh, defensive end category for Alabama on the commitment list right now. So 
Um, that's what Alabama wants. That's that's what they're going to get. Uh, so I think McMillan, you know, that's where the, there should be some worry. Uh, if he does not commit, then maybe uh, kind of open the book again. But even otherwise, you know, DeAndre McNeil is a guy who plays tight end and outside linebacker that Alabama really likes uh, and feels like it has a good shot at. Uh, so there's some other options if McMillan surprises and ends up elsewhere. But, again, it would be a surprise. So uh, come August 23rd, I think uh, we'll know our answer. I'll tell you one thing. He's got to be a smart kid, John, because he had enough sense not to go to a barbecue with Brady Hoke because you wouldn't get no damn food. But uh, anyway, um, and let's hope as a player that he's the lead and not what I suspect is that he might be Walker Jones 2.0, but we'll find out more well, about I don't know. that. I think he's a little bit better than that. No offense to Walker Jones. <laughs> well, I hope Jones. so. I hope so. I mean, but we'll he's see. very impressive physically. Saw him at Spain Park Combine. I, I, I do wonder about the way he, if he's fast enough laterally, but he could end up being a DN against Denson. I think he's a good prospect, just not DN as good as good. Dale Lewis. So Marty, we'll you got any, Marty, you got another question? I do. I do have a couple of questions. Uh, and ahead, I've, I've heard the opinion of, opinion of Drew and Kerry and a lot of other people about Ledbetter. I, I'd like to hear your opinion, John, about Ledbetter. Do, what, what do you think about him? As a recruit or as a football player? Well, as holding on to Alabama. Yeah. Um, well, I'll start with as a player. Um, I've seen Ledbetter three or four times now. I've seen him in games. I've seen him in uh, camps in Atlanta and then out at the opening in Oregon. Uh, there's a couple things to really like about his game. Quick twitch is a catchphrase people use, but this is what he has. Uh, he anticipates well, uh, and he, he, his first step is, is usually quicker than uh, the offensive lineman's first step backwards or to, to track wherever he's going to end up. Uh, so Ledbetter wins early in his rep in one-on-one as a defensive tackle or even as a defensive end. So another guy who fits that Alabama mold of being versatile, three technique, five technique, what have um, So he, he checks those categories off. Uh, the only concerns I've had in, in watching him, because uh, when he's healthy and he's going and he's motivated, he is very good. He is a top 15 defensive tackle in this class, borderline scout 100 prospect uh, in a very loaded defensive line class of, of 2015, no doubt in my mind. Uh, but there are some lows with him. There are some inconsistencies. He's been dealing with a lot of injuries at these camps, um, and, he, he, you know, his nature isn't – again, he, we're talking about teenagers here, but there's not a then focus of, of that, you know, Kobe Bryant mentality of, like, I want to kill you every play like – Darrell Williams and Deron Payne have. It's just a little different with Ledbetter. And that's not a bad thing. It, it, it could be a maturity thing. And remember, you know, he's 16, 17, maybe 18 years old at this point. So those things can be taught and improved upon. Uh, but that's my biggest concern with him. There's some mental inconsistency with his on-field game, if that uh, makes it a little simpler to understand. Um, but in terms of tools, he's, he's got most of them that he likes. Uh, and as a recruit, <laughs> we all know where this is going. Georgia just accepted the commitment of his brother Joseph as a tight end prospect. For those of you who don't know about Joseph Ledbetter, former basketball player at a Division II school, um, and just sort of uh, got the notion of, well, I've seen uh, Jimmy Graham and Antonio Gates playing in the NFL, so why not go play some tight end in college? Well, sure, Alabama <laughs> was on board with that, but not as a scholarship player. So they said, yeah, come walk on, and you can play with your brother, and you know, it'll be great. Um, so he said, cool, and that was the plan for a long time, which is another reason uh, Ledbetter is still on the commitment list. But all of a sudden, he worked out at Georgia's dog night, um, didn't get the offer that day, the scholarship offer, of course. Georgia had talked about him walking on but hadn't accepted him yet. 
Uh, so at this point, it's all Alabama. He's accepted. He can play on the team the whole nine except for the scholarship. Well, Georgia, about a week after dog night, decides, you know what, not only can he get into the school and not only is he accepted, but we're going to throw him a scholarship. And he's going to enroll in a couple of days and, and participate in fall camp. <laughs> so once all of that happened, uh, the family was excited. They jumped on the opportunity. So you can't blame a kid for accepting, you know, free money to go to school to play SEC football. Uh, but, of course, the, the bigger ramification is his brother, Jonathan. Uh, they have talked about playing together their whole lives, and Jonathan didn't think it was a possibility. Uh, like like most of us didn't think it was a possibility until the last couple of months. Um, so now that Georgia, you know, is that school, you know, he's there now and old, uh, it's going to be very, very difficult for Alabama to keep him off of Georgia's commitment list and, and to not uh, allow him to sign with the Bulldogs uh, I think come come December because I believe he's an early enrollee. So the clock is ticking negatively for Alabama in that um, there's only a few months left, you know, less than four or about four months left until uh, Jonathan Ledbetter will sign his letter of intent. Uh, so most likely that's going to be Georgia. Uh, it's the in-state school. It's the closer school. He's visited Georgia, I think, three times as much as he's visited Tuscaloosa since he committed to Alabama. So if you track the visits, it's in Georgia's favor. If you look at the family, it's in Georgia's favor. Uh, if you look at his home state, it's in Georgia's favor. I mean, it's it's, it's pretty overwhelming at this point. Uh, so I would say he would be maybe the biggest surprise to end up uh, on the signee list uh, in December. But well, one last question. One last question I got for y'all guys. You know, two concerns I've got a little bit on this team coming forward this year is the uh, – the, the left tackle, I know Cam Robinson's a freshman, and I hear good things about him, but I'm worried about the depth there at left tackle and also the inside linebacker. You know, and I'll get off here and listen to what y'all have to say about that, but that's that's two concerns i got about this team going forward. Well, Drew, uh, there's a report that uh, backup left tackle Brandon Green did not practice tonight. Wow, okay. I have not been able to read the practice reports being on here tonight. Um, uh, that's the second offensive line tonight was Ross Pierbacher. I knew he'd been tackle. getting third-team reps. Isaac Lewis to it, left guard, Bradley Bozeman, center, Dominic Jackson, right guard, who I think will end up starting there, and Grant Hill at right tackle. Uh, but there was no sign of Green at the PM practice. He did go this morning. Yes. Uh, so I, I have no idea what's behind that, and we may not know until Coach Saban speaks to the media tomorrow night. But that certainly affects the depth at left tackle, Drew. Yeah, it does. He's played some tight end as well, so they kind of know what they have with him. He'd had a pretty good spring. Uh, hopefully it's nothing serious with Brandon Green, especially since he did practice this morning. Uh, you could have seen uh, maybe a, a, maybe he may be sick, may have a, an issue, but hopefully you know he it'll be fine. We do not know yet about that situation, but we'll be efforting to find that out. Probably we'll find out from Coach Saban. But, uh, again, that is interesting. But I have heard Pierce Parker has looked – Legit is a is a legitimate six two hundred ninety five pounds, very well put together. And these freshmen carry they've rattled some cages, man. Especially the young offensive lineman J C Hassenauer, who I know John's familiar with, Joshua Casher, who he uh, has a great interview with when he was still at St. Paul's. Those guys have come in and battled, and Pierce Fokker's doing the same thing. And then a Cam Robinson is entrenching himself at left tackle, and then we'll see where Dom is after the scrimmage Saturday. But these, this offensive line class is the real deal. It is. Now, let's get back to recruiting. And we thank Marty uh, for the call. And uh, we still got time for others to call. We've got about 18 more minutes left in the show. But back to recruiting, John. Uh, 
trending, uh, a guy that some of us had almost given up on. Uh, talk about what's going on with tight end Will Gregg in Alabama. Yeah, well, he visited um, this past weekend for several days with his buddy K.J. Hill. Of course, both of them are four stars out of Arkansas. Both of them, of course, uh, pass-catching targets, Gregg, a tight end, and Hill, a wide receiver. Um, now, there's a lot of connections to Alabama with both guys. Well, Gregg, and, you know, those of you on, on Pemimac, you know, I say this every time I talk about Will Grab. there's not a more familiar out-of-state prospect with Alabama over the last year than Will Gregg. He's probably been about six times, and this last time was for several days. So you're talking about a guy who spent at least a dozen days or so in Tuscaloosa in the last 365 days, and that's major for, for anybody. Um, so Alabama was, was sort of fading out of the conversation just a little because, you know, he, he's very active on social media. He, he takes any visit. Um, that he can, you know, he's in Texas and Ole Miss and Tennessee and LSU and Ohio State. You know, he's he's a coveted guy. You know, the number four tight end in the country on Scott right now. Um, but of course, Alabama got him back on campus this past weekend, um, and he's you know he committed to signing a financial aid agreement with Alabama. And you know, for those who don't realize what that is, I'm still trying to figure it out since they were established a season ago. Basically, if you're an early enrolled prospect, meaning you're going to graduate high school in December of your senior year, you can sign a financial agreement basically guaranteeing your scholarship from a school that had given you a written offer. So Greg obviously has that written offer from Alabama uh, as well as several other schools. Uh, and it guarantees you not only a scholarship on the school's end, but it, does not guarantee, it doesn't bind the kid to the school. So kids can sign financial aid agreements with multiple schools. Uh, we saw this last year with guys like C.J. Hampton. Um, Hootie Jones signed three or four. C.J. Hampton signed about six. Now, Greg's going to sign at least six uh, to this point. So Ole Miss, the schools I rattled off, um, of course, in-state Arkansas. Oh, hello, they're on the list. Uh, so he's going to sign all of those, but Alabama is going to be one of those. So that, uh, on top of those other benefits I laid out, which is really beneficial for the kid more than anybody, but where the coaching staff do get the edge uh, a little bit back is that you get unlimited contact with a recruit, financial aid papers to your school. So those six schools are literally going to be able to blow up Will Gregg all the way until he enrolls at one of those schools in January. So <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of a crapshoot, honestly. Um, it's something they implemented last year. A lot of kids took advantage of it. You know, Sean Dion Hamilton signed his very early with Alabama. Um, and was, was talking to them the whole way through. And that actually helped out the tide in recruiting because it helped lock guys down like Rayshon Evans uh, and what have you, Marlon Humphrey, even though that didn't take too much help. Uh, so there are benefits beyond just getting that one player on. But when you sign six, like Greg's going to do, it makes it very interesting. And you really learn a lot about how much you're coveted at that point. So I suspect Alabama will be uh, – taking full advantage of that privilege. Billy Napier's his lead recruiter, a guy he's very familiar with. Um, but, again, no matter how many times he visits, it's always going to be tough to beat that in-state school when you had a big brother who went to that school and is now in the NFL. He just played the other night in the Hall of Fame game, Chris Bragg. Uh, so that is always what sort of likens me to Arkansas for his commitment in the end. It's not like I'll see Tim Kenny and Josh Frazier the last couple of seasons that – Alabama has signed out of Arkansas that didn't have a whole lot of ties other than guys they, they sort of knew on the team. You know, Bragg's situation is a little bit different. But, of course, 
different coaching staffs and all that, you know, tilted towards Alabama's favor a little bit. So they'll be in it all the way through, uh, and they certainly helped themselves this past weekend with the visit. But Bragg's never going to reveal a leader or anything like that. Uh, so Alabama should feel like it's in good shape, and it is in good shape as far as we know. And, of course, they'll have the opportunity to uh, talk to them as much as they want. Well, John, I've got a couple of questions. I'm going to ask you this one first about positions. And uh, you brought up K.J. Hill. Obviously, he visited for three days. Uh, you know, I've seen some interviews with him, have not spoken with him yet. But I, it's going to be interesting because I know Alabama wants to add one more receiver. And my personal favorite is Christian Kirk. Uh, I, he's visited once, has not visited since. I know Blake Barnett told me that he was trying to recruit him. I, I'm sure you know uh, that he and Kirk are close and that they work out with the same uh, quarterback coach in Arizona, Dennis Guile. And I'm hoping there will be some sort of connection there because I really like Kirk. I know you saw him up close in Oregon. But I wanted to know where you see the Alabama wide receiver search going. Obviously, they like K.J. Hill. Uh, Terry Godwin has still been mentioned, though, with his sister going to Georgia. That may that ship may have sailed. But what are you thinking or seeing, in your opinion, what could be the way Alabama goes with a wide receiver? Well, I think uh, I'm with you on Kirk. I mean, that kid is electric. I, I've heard the Percy Harvin comparisons, and I, I've seen the tape, and it's probably the most fun highlight. You can talk about highlight tape, you know, like we talked about when I first came on. Watch that highlight tape. You don't need to watch oh, every yeah. play of his to see that he is, is a stud offensively. Get the ball in his hands. Um, but I don't see Alabama in the race for him. In the end, I, I know Blake's uh, doing all he can, and, and obviously you couldn't ask for a better spokesperson for uh, the school, and obviously he would be the guy throwing in the football, so that helps. But uh, it just looks like it's too much of an uphill battle. Like you said, he visited one time, and that was sort of it with Alabama. He's released uh, two lists of teams of programs since then, uh, and he actually released his final six today. Alabama was oh, not okay, wow, okay. on that list. Yeah, yeah, right. that was a few hours ago. So um, it's, just, it's seemingly uphill. They're not going to get an official visit, so – I think it's safe to say that, you know, they, of course they would love to get back in with him, but it just doesn't seem very likely at this point. So with that being said, um, before you recruit another wide receiver, I think Alabama has to make sure it shores up its current wide receiver commitment. Dalen Charlotte and Calvin Ridley, both out-of-state right. guys with major offers from across the country. Of course, LSU has offered Charlotte uh, since he began uh, camping with the Tigers this past summer, well after he committed to Alabama, so that's going to be something to watch. He's been awfully quiet uh, since that point. He spoke a little bit right after uh, that offer came through, but not much since, hasn't showed up at many camps since. Uh, so very interesting scenario building potentially with him. Uh, and, of course, Ridley, the five-star number two receiver in the country on scout, uh, just <laughs> destroyed uh, message boards and uh, viral video content at the opening with his one-handed catch uh, and phenomenal performance all week. Well, you know, everyone took note of that. Uh, so Florida State is going to do all it can to sell that, you know, hey, why don't, why don't you join the national champs? Uh, Miami is the local school, you know, about 40 minutes from where he goes to high school. Uh, so they're always going to be in it. Uh, Ohio State has made a late charge. Now, I actually spoke to Ridley today. Uh, and he, You know, there were some rumors that he had visited Florida State in the last week or so before they – started camp, uh, but he debunked them. He said, no, I haven't visited anywhere in the last few weeks. I've been chilling. I've been getting ready, you know, for my season, which, of course, is already underway at Monarch High School with his buddy and fellow commitment, Sean Burgess Becker. Uh, so that's good news for Alabama that he hadn't visited Florida State. But, of course, he visited Florida State in July for their camp anyway, 
right after he was in Tuscaloosa. So FSU will have their shot with Ridley. You know, he's not an early enrollee. He's a guy who's going to take it all the way to signing day. So um, the opening helped, of course, working with Blake Barnett and 10 other Alabama commitments, especially now with Rico McGraw as the 11th. Um, that certainly helped Alabama's chance. Uh, Burgess Becker is, is the X factor, though. That's his best friend. He lives with him. Uh, it's literally, you know, almost blood. So wherever one goes, the other's going to go. And Ridley's probably the more coveted prospect, but Burgess Becker is probably the spokesman for the two, if that makes sense. So uh, programs know if they want one, they got to get the other. So that's, I think, where Alabama has another advantage because you have to take two guys away from Nick Saban as opposed to one. So that's easier said than done. Uh, so I think Ridley's a little more possible to hang around than, than uh, Dalen. So, of course, moving to the prospects, we talked about Campbell earlier in the hour. He named the top ten, and Alabama surprisingly was in that list. But all of a sudden, he's going to commit soon, so you can take him off the board pretty much. Christian Kirk, same thing we just talked about. Uh, so besides K.J. Hill, it gets real interesting um, because there's not a lot that Alabama has been involved with lately. The only name to, to note is Lawrence Cager out of Baltimore, right. Maryland, uh, Calvert Hall High School. Big body, and he's another guy I saw at the opening, about 6'4", 6'5", just super long. Uh, if you think of uh, Florida State, think of Kelvin Benjamin, um, who just yeah. uh, who obviously made the catch against Chris Davis to win the national title. Uh, he's got that kind of length. Now, he's not as big. Kelvin Benjamin is about 240 pounds. He's nowhere near as big. He's probably closer to 200. Uh, but he's got that kind of just freakish wingspan, and he actually turned a lot of heads at the opening in a positive way because people didn't really know who he was compared to the Calvin Ridley's and DeMarcus Lodges and Christian Kirk of the world at receiver. So he turned heads in a good way, followed it up with an impressive four-day performance at Alabama, picked up the offer, camp he went to with Ohio State, school he had grew up rooting yes. for. He got that offer as well. So they leave for his commitment right now. But Alabama is right there. And Alabama will get him on campus for an official visit in the fall. It's not set in stone yet, um, but he's going to announce that stuff later on this month would be very surprising if Alabama is not on all of those lists in terms of top schools and official visits. So K.J. Hill, probably priority number one in terms of uncommitted guys. You know, he could play slot, he could play returner, which is something Staten talked to him about this past weekend. Uh, his buddy is Alfie Tenpenny. They've grown up together, high school together at North Little Rock. So there's a lot of connections favoring the Crimson Tide for K.J. Hill. Uh, but if something should go awry and, and, you know, he succumbs to that instinct pressure, that, that whoop-pick silly pressure that he even talked about with me this weekend, saying that he can't even pump gas without hearing it now because <laughs> people know what he looks like. Uh, if he somehow heals to that, um, then Cager would be the primary target uh, because, like you said, Drew, they do want to add one more receiver because there's uh, a little bit more space in the class than they originally thought with things that happened, obviously, both Scarborough, uh, you think of um, guys who have transferred or what have you. So there's a little bit more room uh, than we once thought. But, of course, um, other guys are the priorities right now. But at uh, receiver, it's, it's Hill and Kaser, And then it will be interesting if both of those guys end up elsewhere. They may just have to sort of settle for the two they got now if they can hold on to both. So it will be a position to keep a close eye on going forward. We have a uh, another caller. Uh, William, you're live on BAMS Radio with Kerry, John, and Drew. What's going on? Hey, guys, doing good. I love the show, man. Just want to call up. I'm, I'm excited. Football season, it's it's here. We get this time of the year. We're getting all the reports, and I can barely contain myself. 
But uh, I got to the show late tonight um, from being at church and everything. And obviously I'd heard about Sean Robinson. has been out a type of injury. I don't know if y'all touched on that already or if you know any more about that. We do. Uh, we, uh, we, were, we, were, we were able to fortunate, – fortunately we were able to break that at Alabama Intel this afternoon. Uh, he, he sprained uh, an MCL on his knee uh, yesterday in practice, got rolled up. Uh, and it was feared that he tore an ACL at first, but luckily uh, the medical staff checked him out. They they uh, they they had him. Uh, they did an MRI. They and it turns out that it was a sprained MCL, and he will miss several practices, but uh, he will be fine for West Virginia. Should make a full recovery. Uh, I would say the timetable would be to return in a couple of weeks uh, at, at maximum. So looks like Ashawn will be okay. It'll give some younger guys a chance to you know get better, like D Liner, uh, Josh Frazier, and guys like that. But again, Ashawn Robinson should be back and be 100% for the season opener. Alabama dodged a huge bullet uh, last night. Yes, we did. That is that is great to hear. That's what I was hoping it was something minor. And to touch on what you said, to give some of these younger guys some work because we know what Ashawn can deliver. And guys like Hand and these other guys are just going to be unreal, I believe, with our pass rush this year. So I'm really excited about that. But uh, also, Thomas, the guy that answers the phone, I notice he really doesn't talk a lot or bring a lot. And in the past when I've heard him, he really knows his football and has so much to offer. Is there a reason that he really don't, you know, contribute to the show as much? You know, introverted. <laughs> well, I, I, I I can answer that. Uh, to be honest, because Bird got sick, I've had to take over running everything. Yeah. So uh-huh. like right right now, William, I'm talking to you. I'm monitoring our chat, our like general chat. I'm making sure Twitter's running. I'm making sure our back chat and some text messages are going through the show. So, to be honest, yeah. I only get, like, every other sentence of what goes on in the show. But if you have a question for me, I'd be glad to try and answer it. I just – I'm a little overwhelmed is the reason I don't yeah, talk he's, very much. he's the wizard behind the curtain right now, Thomas the Rock Watt. Yeah, exactly. I didn't have anything specific. I just remember back during the season, um, you know, specific games would be coming up, and he would chime in with, here's what I think or here's what I think is going to happen. And he was a lot of times spot on with it. And I thought, man, his analysis is fantastic. And, of course, I know the summer months are slow and he hadn't contributed as much. And I'm just kind of hoping now that we're getting back into it, he's going to kind of jump in there a little more. And another thing I remember, and this happened several months back, they were talking about A.J. McCarron during the championship game was, I guess, quote, pulling for Auburn or whatever, and it irritated people. And, of course, it irritated me, too. And I can remember Thomas saying, you know, I just don't get it. Well, I can remember my dad played football for Alabama back in uh, 59 and 60. He actually played with uh, Mal Moore and Leroy Jordan and that group of guys. And, you know, I remember coming out of high school, and I loved Alabama. I was in the 70s when we were dominating. And, uh, you know, and there was that rivalry, but I didn't understand it fully. And I told my dad, I really don't understand why people get so mad at Auburn, all people get so mad at Alabama, and my dad said, "Don't worry, you will," because when he was in college, he didn't think that much about it. He did; he knew they were a rival. But dad said, "Son, I didn't hate them people until after I got out of Alabama, and then I got to where I just couldn't stand them." So AJ might have been pulling for them, and and but now, as for him hating them, don't worry, he will, because they're going to get to him. That's what they do. I hate to bring up a bad subject, but he may have been pulling for him, but I guarantee you next time they have any kind of a game, 
he won't be pulling for him then because he's going to hear it from him forever. So it's just a matter of time before they run him in the ground. Well, I, we appreciate it. the call, William. And uh, thank, thank you for God calling. Thank God. And I want to ask John one more question because we're about to run out of time. But I had some a, call, a text message from a friend that wanted his take on this, and we were going to kind of chime in. But it's a two-parter. Okay, uh, Drew, the thing Drew Richmond is well documented. Alabama wants to add a, a pure offensive tackle. What's your take on the offensive tackle situation? And really, how do you, you get this question probably ten times a week how, or, or more. Well, how do you see the class ending up right now? Because it's, 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 there's a lot of moving parts. Moving parts is a good way to put it. Um, tackle is, is an easier way to put it. Uh, it's Drew Richmond and it's Isaiah Prince. Those are the two right. guys right now, like. both four stars. Prince is actually written higher on scout. Um, Richmond, he's going to be SEC, but the question is, can Alabama overtake in-state Tennessee, which is a, uh, a bigger threat than people realize, uh, and Ole Miss, which has that pipeline to the Memphis area where Drew is from. So two big hurdles for Alabama. There's some conventional wisdom that the tide is running third for him right now, uh, but he did visit this past weekend with Greg and Hill and those guys, and, and he brought his dad, which I thought was important because his dad had never been to Tuscaloosa. Um, so Richmond's going to be an interesting one to follow. Uh, he's committing September 9th, but let's keep in mind, he hasn't taken any official visits, and he plans to take every official visit. So wherever he commits September 9th does not necessarily mean that is where he will sign um, to play ball. So that's another one to keep an eye on. I, I suspect he could take official visits a week or two after committing that soon, uh, and Alabama will definitely be on that list, whether he commits to the Tide or not. So he's one to keep an eye on. Another one very familiar with Tuscaloosa. Um, Rico didn't bite on my question wondering if he was recruiting him or not, but that's fun. <laughs> uh, and then Prince, he's kind of the opposite of Richmond. You know, Richmond has been six or seven times. Prince has only been one time. Uh, but his one visit a couple of weeks ago was good enough uh, to get Alabama an official visit. He's already said that he will see Bama officially, loved it, uh, he solidified his offer when he was on campus and, um, and and reiterated what you just asked me on how Alabama's looking for that one pure tackle for this class because they've got four interior guys and Cotton, Lester Cotton might end up being right tackle. He's already spoken to the staff about possibly beginning his career at right tackle, but there's no debating Dallas Warmack, um, uh, Brandon Kennedy. Uh, those guys are clear interior offensive linemen. Um, so, uh, the only possibility for tackle potentially is cotton. So clearly there's a need uh, to bring in another pure tackle. And, of course, uh, uh, Pettibon is, is the other one. He's, he's another guy who's, who's more of an inside guy at this time. And if he was a tackle down the road, it would be on that right side. So no left tackle candidates in the class right now. Uh, so uh, I think Richmond or Prince will get the full court press from Alabama as much as possible. Um, but those guys are on two different tracks. You know, Richmond's very familiar, committing very soon, and Prince very unfamiliar and not committing very soon. So two stories that uh, can last all the way through for Alabama. Alabama would love to add one of those. Uh, and it's kind of like the receiver thing. I, if, if both of those guys straight elsewhere, the, the list gets very thin. Martez Ivy was a name to keep an eye on. He might still take an official visit to Alabama. He's the number one offensive tackle in the country, but – his good buddy and friend Chandler Cox is committed to Auburn. Uh, he's a lifelong fan of the Gators. And those are your two leaders for his commitment, and that gap is monstrous. It is similar to that Adonis Thomas 
Florida to Alabama gap before he made that last visit. It is big, but it's between two schools. So Alabama's running third. So very unlikely it would add Martez Ivy. Um, so those are the three names I would keep the closest eye on, obviously, in that order, Richmond, Prince, uh, Ivy. Um, but both those first two names, uh, they're going to last all the way in the process. So I wouldn't uh, worry too much what happens in the next couple of weeks with either of them because Alabama's probably going to get official visits from both. And, and as we know, uh, that can change a lot of things. Oh, and the last part, sorry. Um, closing out the class, of course, I will say one of those two offensive tackles ends up crimson. I will say K.J. Hill ends up crimson. I will say uh, Josh McMillan to Alabama on the 22nd, so that's three that puts Alabama at 24 commitments. They will surprise and get a five-star either between Ricky DeBerry at linebacker or Kendall Sheffield at cornerback. That's the wild card. That brings you up to 25 commitments. Uh, then they would like to add one or two more. Um, obviously, Deron Payne would be one of those for my pick right now. Uh, and if they do take the full 27, uh, let's say it is hmm. – Joe Vaughn. I will say – I will say running – I was going to say running back. Uh, and I would, I would say Joe Vaughn Robinson right now, just based on the smoke. Uh, obviously, that one is a much bigger wild card than anybody else. So, I'll, the safer bet – for me, would be a guy like DeAndre McNeil out of Texas. Uh, not quite the guy they wanted from Pokemon High School in Malik Jefferson, but a nice consolation prize and a guy who can play both sides of the football, perhaps more importantly, because he could play that second tight end that Alabama has wanted all the way through the process. So if I had to pick him right now, that's what I would pick him. But, of course, we know there's going to be some movement. Both of those defensive tackles are ones to keep an eye on. Led better, Keaton Moten, uh, of course, uh, Rico McGraw still one to keep an eye on, in my opinion, with Georgia because he does really like Jeremy Pruitt, as everybody seemingly does. So that's one to keep an eye on. And, of course, Calvin Ridley, uh, Charlotte. There's a lot of names to, to watch all the way through on both sides of the coin. Uh, can Alabama get back in it with Leo Lewis? As you said, moving parts is the best way to put it, and that's what makes it fun. That's what makes you know features like the Bama Big Board and, and this show uh, and Crimson and Blue Chips, you know, accessible and good for fans because you can sort of track where things were as of August 6th and then come September 6th, we could be talking about four or five completely different names that we're not even mentioning right now, like a Jamarius Henderson or a Monty Caban, guys who are just not on the radar at that top level for Alabama right now but could really turn heads during their senior seasons and maybe change Alabama's perception for their commitment. So um, that's why we do what we do, and uh, it's sure to be a lot of fun. Well, uh, you know, when we had Led Better on a couple weeks ago, he told a story about how he and Elisha Shaw uh, eat each other's mom's cooking for dinner several times a week. So we're about to find out, A, what kind of recruiter Elisha Shaw is, and B, <laughs> is blood thicker than sweet tea. <laughs> That's great. That's a good point. They're, they're close friends, and, you know, we all know Led Better committed uh, during a life song visit to Alabama before he solidified things and, and, and getting accepted to the school and all that. So that was a big, big deal. And Elisha on that day told me, yeah, he committed because I recruited him. You know, so he was taking credit for that one, much like Reuben Foster was taking credit for Rayshon Evans. So that certainly cannot hurt the type chances, though. Like you said, you know, his brother's going to be a, a tough obstacle uh, to overcome. But we'll see. He's still on the commitment list as of right now. So uh, it's not impossible. 
Well, John, we sure appreciate it. Uh, it's been great having you on for actually a little over an hour now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we're going to go ahead and, and wind things down. Before we let you go, John, uh, remind everybody uh, where they can find your stuff, including your new podcast. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm on BamaMag.com, of course, part of the Scout.com network. Uh, and we've got a couple new features. Keep a close eye on for subscribers. Well, once for subscribers, and that one is the Bama Big Board. It is your daily check. Uh, and, and multiple times a day checks for the up-to-the-minute information on every Tide commitment and every prospect, no matter what is going on. It's interactive. It's got links. It's got pictures. It's pretty. It's got everything you need. Uh, and then, of course, we have the podcast as well, which will come out several times each week, called Crimson and Blue Chips. There's an app for it now uh, for iPhone uh, and iPad and all that fun stuff. Uh, so go uh, find BamaSportsRadio.com, uh, and then you'll find all the links to all of that, uh, and that's going to come out for free for everybody to listen to several times a week, and uh, we'll probably return the favor and have you guys on my show for a change. We'll do it. We'll be glad to awesome. do it. Thanks again, John. Uh, we'll go ahead and let you go. That's uh, John Garcia from Scout.com, BamaMag.com, great as always. He'll continue to visit with us at least once a month uh, for that 9 to 10 o'clock hour between now and signing day and probably beyond then. Uh, very, very well spoken, very well informed, and uh, we do have a couple more minutes um, before our hard deadline to get off. So, um, I, I guess I wanted to ask you, Drew, because neither of us really knows. <laughs> have you got any texts or e- emails or anything about maybe why Brandon Green wasn't at practice tonight? No, we have not. Have not. Uh, I did see the report. Uh, have not. Do not know why. We will be efforting to find that out. Uh, I'm going to be texting my guy right now to uh, find out he he had just asked me about Jovan Robinson so I'm going to try to see what's up with Brandon Green but that's very interesting to to watch also Alabama fans uh, that are not watching HBO's Hard Knocks might want to Uh, I'm not saying this as an Atlanta Falcon fan although I freely admit I am one I'm saying this as to the fact that Javi Arenas and Mike Johnson got into a scrap today uh, at practice uh, I'm talking full fist flying. Uh, Bammer on Bammer hate, Drew, and I'm sure that will be part of next week's uh, hard knocks. Uh, but I tell you what, they have got. You know, Croy Beerman was a good guy until he met Kim Zosiak. <laughs> I didn't even know he was married to her. No, oh, I, I watched. I like, oh. Unfortunately, I do know because my wife has me watching all that sh. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I, I knew it, and you know, he was a good guy. And she has turned him into just a walking F-bomb. But anyway, also uh, Julio is featured uh, sporadically. He's not practicing every single workout. They're trying to make sure he's ready for the opener uh, coming off a broken foot. But uh, there'll probably be a little bit more. And they've got a game this Friday night uh, in Atlanta, exhibition against Miami, so that'll probably be part of the show next week. But uh, HBO's Hard Knocks, it, uh, it runs on Tuesday nights. Uh, and with three Bama guys on the team, it makes it, you know, even if you're not a Falcon fan, I know we have a lot of listeners, especially in the 251, that are Saints fans. Um, the free world doesn't understand that the Saints and Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Auburn are all basically the same entity, but um, that's fine. Um, anyway, so wanted to bring that up, and uh, again, you know, Javi and Mike duking it out today at practice, so well, that's probably going to be featured. My favorite part of Hard Knocks, I did watch it last night, was when the rookie got up there and imitated the special teams coach and said, hey, we got Roddy White and Julio Jones. How many footballs have we got? One? Well, then you better get your ass on the special teams. 
How about the one about all you guys hanging out all the time at Mall of Georgia? You better watch out. Yeah, it's going to be working at the Mall of Georgia. <laughs> yeah. And then, hey, and then when he told, and then when the position coach, uh, Brian uh, Cox, tells uh, Dante Rump, Chris Rump's nephew, by the way, uh, that uh, SH you learned at Kentucky don't work up here. Yeah. Yeah, that was funny, cupcake. man. What up, cupcake? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so anyway, uh, I guess we'll go ahead and, and wrap it up. Uh, I've made up for half the time I was off the air now. So uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, this is Kerry Clark and with BamaMag.com, and I'm for Drew DeArmond of AlabamaMintel.com and Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama Magazine back in the studio, making it work, and we certainly appreciate all his efforts. Uh You've been listening to another edition of BAMS Radio on Blog Talk Radio. Good night and roll tide, everybody. Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.